All right. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Uh, sorry for the prolonged break, but um, alas, here we are back with At the Table. Thank you so much for listening. And I have a friend of a family here, Aaron. He's the pastor of the church we have here in the town that we live in. <laughs> I almost <laughs> said it again. <laughs> um, but um, we met Aaron um, shortly after we moved here because of your your daughter and yeah, our Jessica. son. Yeah, and Jude uh, became really good friends playing at the park. And then um, Brittany ended up meeting you guys. And then here we are. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on. I well, really thank, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. Appreciate the opportunity to to sit down with you. So this is good. Excited to be here today. Good. Thank you. Um, so we're just going to actually just get right into it. I don't have anything else other than um, we have a, well, I, I guess I do. I have a couple other shows coming up, so stay tuned. Um, I, I guess stay tuned. I don't know how you stay tuned to a podcast that's not live, but you know, um, just turn your notifications on with whatever podcast software you use. Is that what Joe Rogan says? Yeah, there you I go. I guess I think I have to bleep out that because I don't know if I can say his name, but whatever. We'll figure it out. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we're just going to actually just get right into it. Um, how? Tell me a little bit about your your background as a believer, and we're doing this so we can eventually get to where we want to go and, and what we were just talking about. So give us some background on your how you how you became a Christian? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, I'm one of those stories that, of course, begins with uh, pretty much born and raised in the in the church, and uh, <laughs> we were there if the doors were open. We were there, and uh, part of that goes, of course, uh, back to some family history. Um, so I come from a, a three uh, three generations of missionaries uh, in our family have spent their lives in the nation of Brazil. My great grandfather, in particular, was radically saved while working in the city of San Francisco as a very successful contractor. And the Lord said, "No, I've got a different plan for your life," and uh, and that uh, set that entire side of the family uh, into uh, missions in Brazil. So I, I've known, uh, yeah, pretty much known God uh, or about God my whole life, yeah. and grew up in the in the church. So. So I would say it was probably, you know, one of those stories, maybe eight or nine years old. Uh, I can remember saying, um, I think I want to give my give my life over to to Jesus and and uh, maybe didn't fully understand what that would look like. <laughs> I think a lot of us you know, look yeah, back now and say, exactly. and I had no idea what that would uh, what that would entail. But uh, uh, but at the time, uh, definitely uh, had had felt a, a desire to uh, to commit my life to following Jesus. So. As a younger kid, also within the in the church, did you ever have a moment where you felt like your parents were doing what they wanted as believers and didn't really include you? Do you I mean do you understand what I'm saying? Like you get a lot of these uh, hmm. families that go into ministry or something like that, and they don't yeah. really include their kids. Yeah. And the reason I asked that is I was actually just listening to a gentleman from Youth of the Mission, Floyd uh, Floyd McClung, McClung. And when they lived in Amsterdam within the red light district, they did ministry as a family. Right. And he wrote a whole book on it and all that kind of stuff and everything. But I was just curious, did that ever? Yeah, that's a great question too. Uh, you know, our family, uh, so 
Uh, my aunt and uncle were that third generation. So my family uh, w- didn't spend time on that mission field. We were primarily involved in the local church. So I, I felt like for the most part, we were pretty uh, included. And in any time we were, like I said, the doors were open, we were there. Uh, it was a wonderful church with a lot of family ministry. And I really have a lot of fond memories of, of being in uh, various uh, homes from other families in the church and the pastor's home uh, who... Uh, who uh, uh, we spend a lot of time with their family, so I really did feel pretty included. My wife, however, comes from a, a situation where she also is a pastor's kid, and Ooh, um, and PK. because of our yeah, <laughs> gotta watch out for those PKs. <laughs> My bride's a PK. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the the two of us though have have uh, very um, very much tried to make a conscious effort uh, to think about that and include our kids. Uh, in ministry as much as 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 possible. In fact, sometimes they're like, "Hey, Dad, can I have a break?" You know, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> but uh, but really wanting to them to uh, to realize that this isn't what we do, just Stephanie and I, or this isn't just what I do as the pastor, uh, but this is what we do as a as a family. You know, we that's follow really Jesus cool. together. So that's such a good lesson just for me to hear. You yeah. know, because it's really easy, right? Oh like, yeah. I have a podcast that I do, yeah. and I've got some books and stuff I write and everything, but you know, how much do I incorporate anything else I do with my, my boys? Right. And that's dumb. Yeah. Right. Like, well, I'm just going to say it like it is. Right. <laughs> and I look at yeah. like uh, a gentleman that his name is Andy Bird um, or Sean Foyt, these other individuals <laughs> that are pretty prevalent within doing ministry. Well, I'd say prevalent, but more well-known, I guess you could say more in the public eye. They um, take their kids everywhere. Right. So why why wouldn't we? I mean, it just uh that's a good correction for myself. <laughs> you know, you know what's interesting. Uh, so my grandfather, uh, who did missions in Brazil, very well-known missionary, especially within the uh, within the Assemblies of God movement, but uh, actually had had the title the Billy Graham of Brazil. Uh, really held, held crusades in <laughs> soccer stadiums with thousands and thousands of people. I want to say their largest crusade uh, ended up having about two hundred and fifty thousand in attendance uh, just smokes. one day in in uh, there in Rio de Janeiro and over multiple days. But that was a single day attendance number. Uh, and so uh, that uh, was a prof- prolific ministry. And he often had to travel without the family. And I can recall him talking about how if, if there was anything that he uh, would do differently over his over his life and ministry is that is that he would have uh, incorporated incorporated family more. So that's awesome. Uh, so that was that, those words, especially because I, I look up to him, obviously, uh, with a lot of respect. And so those words have resonated with me as we step into, uh, you know, ministry full time uh, on a regular basis. We want to include our kids in that process. And it's really great. Yeah. I had a opportunity to meet a gentleman in Portland who was a youth leader at a church for a really long time. And he noticed that... Um, he followed like the way that the church did a whole lot of things, right? And he he worked with families and everything. He'd just bring their kids into church and everything like that. And this isn't a dig on the on the church. It's not where I'm going with this. What I'm saying it's an it's it's the point is incorporating children. I want to just preface it with that. But what he noticed was is that when the kids got older, right? These kids that had gone through youth ministry all this time, just doing the normal stuff. When they got older and went off to college, a majority of them just left the church. Yeah. Yes. And so he started looking at what was what was happening, right? Mm. And started to do experiments within his home to shift that 
philosophy of, I mean, not a philosophy, more, more practice, right? So he shifted a ton of things within his home. And I got an opportunity, like I said, to go and meet him and watch him do it within his house. He included his kids in everything he did. Wow. Yeah. Everything. And I mean, it was to the, it was so much to the point that, um, he shifted his evening devotional times where he would read by himself to where they would bring a small lantern to the table, Mm. turn a majority of the lights off in the house after they all sat together with dinner he'd put like a instrumental music on and then they would all take turns reading the Bible together. Yeah. That's fantastic. And it was so, I've yep. never seen anything like it. Yep. And these kids, you could just, you, they, they were, um, they were human. They weren't superhuman, perfect people, but, um, you could tell that there was a, a genuine love for individuals, hmm. for their family. And they had more of a, a holistic, uh, health to them, not just, uh, spiritual health, but physical and mental and all these things. Right. 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 It was really, really cool to see him do that. And when I talked to him about it, he was just like, it's not, a, it's not always been like this. This is just something that we've been able to develop in our family, like within the last few years, you yeah. know, that's, that's a really great example, actually. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I can recall my grandmother talking about some of her fondest memories and, and, uh, from her perspective, why, uh, why she followed Jesus the way that she did was, yeah. uh, her dad had always put a, a, um, a, uh, an importance around family altar time. And they regularly, uh, had, uh, had that time of, of devotions, um, pretty much on a nightly basis. And uh, I think that the, the fruit of that is, is, is very evident. And like you said, the fruit of what we're seeing happening in culture right now, I think is very uh, evident of what uh, some of the things that we've seen happen in families and in, and in churches when we, mm-hmm. when we separate, uh, when we separate that and, and don't integrate that, uh, those groups together, yeah. which is one of the reasons why we've even tried to shift a little bit of our discipleship philosophy uh, to include multi-generational discipleship is we've been uh, ministering a lot with college students lately and young adults and not wanting them to, it's very easy for them to want to segregate into their own group. Uh, and uh, and we've put a huge uh, priority on bringing uh, others in with, uh, with experience to help disciple them so that we're not just, uh, you know, turning the church into a bunch of groups centered around ages. Yeah. So. I really, really like that. That is really cool. I wish I would have had some of the, when I got saved, I was like, I think it's 24, 25, would have really loved someone that was maybe in their early 30s Yes, yep. to help me walk through. Because right. all I had were a bunch of peers, right? Yeah. Like I yeah. had Brigham and Caleb and like all of the crew <laughs> that guys. we had. Yeah, yeah really, really great guys. <laughs> Solid Christian fellas. And, um, but we, they did have other individuals cause they were part of like master's commission and all that kind of stuff, but I was still in the military. So I had, had military guys. And so I, I think it's really awesome that you've incorporated this, uh, multi-generational thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. I think we, uh, in fact, uh, we're walking through a, um, a study right now with some with some young men on on sexual integrity and how to walk that out in our culture, uh, a topic that the church doesn't really address very often, and and it needs to because this generation is is uh, is in deep bondage uh, to uh, to pornography and other kinds of, of sexual sin, and and really if we're going to talk about being disciples, then that's an area that we can't leave untouched. It's it's such an important area to address. It's one of the most from important. The, for and men. so we we've looked at it and said we've got to incorporate this. Uh, into our discipleship programs, yep. and so uh, what we what we ended up doing was getting a group of guys together uh, to uh, to um, 
to go through this uh, this together as a as a group, and we've got young, uh, um, you know, college aged and young adult men. We've got middle aged men uh, who are married with families, and we've got seventy uh, year old men all walking through this together in this discipleship. And it really has been a powerful, uh, uh, powerful time together. I've seen some really incredible things that God is doing through that, and and uh, and I think we need more multi generational discipleship within the church. Yeah, I think that that is one of the the biggest topics for mm-hmm. men in our generation, mm-hmm. you know, because I got saved and then that was not anything that I had ever really dealt with, right? Mm-hmm. Like I I always say that when um as as Christians when something comes up, up like this, especially as men, we we beg God to take it from us. And so right. what we're really asking Jesus to be is a magician, mm-hmm. not a a savior. Or a savior in the way that we want him to be a magician, not someone that wants to build a relationship with us and walk through so we can actually right. learn. We can actually rewire our brains. We can develop proper habits. Right. And we can allow him to help us change how we see things. But instead, we just beg, and then when it doesn't happen, we just slip back into it. Right, for sure. Which was a huge issue for me years and years ago. Um, and I find that when I lack, lack when I get lax, lack, when I don't stay vigilant. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what you meant. Thank you. <laughs> um, that nasty thing keeps, that comes a knocking. Yeah, for sure. And um, man, we have such an incredible story for us that um, if you don't mind, I'll share it just really quick yeah, if you don't please. mind. So I don't even remember if I've shared it on this show before or not. If I have, you have to listen to it again. So just get over it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was, I got, I got married and this was a issue and I was scared to share anything like this with Brittany. And, uh, this is when we lived in Alaska. I think this was in 2014. I really felt like the Lord saying that this needed to be dealt with. And he said it was something I needed to discuss with Brittany. So I went to my pastor actually and was like, Hey, I feel like the Lord is telling me I have to do this. He goes, no, don't do that. Mm. Don't go talk to your wife about this. Deal with it with the Lord. And after it's taken care of, go to a counselor because I've seen this happen and it destroys marriages. Mm. And I was like, well, God told me I had to. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so I better obey God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to do it his way. Your way sounds pretty cool, but I'm not going to do that. So um, what he'd actually said was in 21 days on this day, it was like, I think it was like March 19th or something like that. I'll just pick that day. I can never remember. You're going to tell Brittany everything. And I was like, oh, no, because 21 days from today is not March 19th. Or it's like March 14th or something like that. I was like, it's not like March 14th. 21 days from today is March 17th. And he goes, no, 21 days from today, you will tell you. And it was really weird because the math didn't add up. And I was like, no, 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 no. And I, so I was trying to convince myself, like, haha, Jeff, you're an idiot. 21 days from today is not March 14th. It's 17th. And the Lord goes... I want you to go to the Elijah list, you know, the gentleman who does puts together prophetic words. You can find ElijahList.com and read the prophetic word from three days ago. And what the Lord had talked to me about, whether he's going to set families free when mm. he was talking to me, he was like, this is the initial step to set families free and walk you in freedom and everything. So I go back to that day <clears throat> and the title says 21 days from today, God is going to on March. Oh, 17th. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shut up. And it was like, this. great. Now I have yeah, to do it. Now I have to do this <laughs> <Yeah>. dumb thing. <laughs> so we, I sit there 
over the next, like, I'm starting to have, I'm like panic attacking. I'm like freaking out. Cause I was just scared. Right. I don't right. want to hurt my wife. And, and so the night before I, um, the night before I was just like, I can't do this. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And I go to bed and I have this dream. And in the dream, I sit down next to Brittany on our couch in our living room and I look over at her and I start crying and I share everything with her. And this, instant look of compassion and forgiveness comes over her face. Hmm. She puts her arm around me, scoots next to me, whispers, I forgive you. And then kisses me and I wake up or then prays for me. Mm -hmm. And then I wake up. Yeah. And it's the next day. I'm like, man, I slept for like 10 minutes. Like that's all that was, was like 10 minutes, <laughs> but it was like all night. <laughs> and so that morning I just tell Brittany, I'm like, Hey, for everything that we're getting ready to do, I think we we're actually getting ready to leave or uh, Alaska and move to Oregon. So I made some excuse, like we needed to talk. And she was like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. So the evening comes around and she's like, come on kids, let's get ready for bed. I'm like, no, 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 the kids can stay up. They don't need to go to bed. You know, like, yeah, just stay up a little bit later. Like, there's no big deal. <laughs> we could delay this a little bit. <laughs> this is not a big deal. Come on, it's stupid. And uh, she goes, no, 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 I want to talk. This is going to be awesome. And so she puts the kid to bed and I'm just sitting there on the couch and I was just like panic attack and she sits down and I, I just start sobbing and I share everything with her and it's instant. It's just like mm -hmm. it happened in the dream. Compassion comes over her face. She puts her arm around me. She scooted over to me, kissed me on the cheek and whispered, I forgive you and prayed. Wow. Yeah. It was incredible. That's awesome. And I went back and told my Praise pastor and I was yeah. like, ha, it worked. <laughs> 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 Thanks for the advice, but yeah. I got to listen to God. Kind right, of what we yeah. were talking about earlier, right? Like yeah. our ideas are good, but yeah. his are better. <laughs> I didn't go high. Actually, it was just like, hey, dude, I yeah. want to tell you the story. But anyway, so anyway, that's a side story. Um, yeah. It was super cool. But anyway, I think that's a really cool thing that you guys are doing because it's such a huge thing. Yeah. I had no one to walk through because I was always scared that I was the only one dealing with it. Right. right? Well, and that's, and that's a common <laughs> thing, Jeff, because... Uh, so many, that's how the enemy would like to keep us in bondage is, is, Hey, you're the only one. If people found out what, you know, what you're dealing with, they would, you know, nobody would like you. And, and, and he, it uses, uh, you know, our fear and our shame to keep us in bondage. And this really, my eyes were open to this a few years ago. Uh, and, uh, and then, uh, a couple years ago I started, um, there was a there was a, a group of guys who were struggling with this issue. Young men is still in youth group age, uh, and uh, and they had been walking through some of this with a uh, with another youth leader, and he had to pause. And I said, well, you know, I'll, I don't mind stepping in for uh, you know for a few weeks while you're on break, and and so um, and so as I stepped into that role with them. Uh, I began to realize like these aren't these aren't the kids that you would expect. Um, I mean, these are your these are your youth group leader kids. These yep. are wonderful kids. If you didn't know this problem was going on in their life, uh, uh, you would uh, you you just would would be surprised. Yeah. And uh, and I knew the the statistics. The statistics tell us that uh, you know nine and a half out of ten of these kids are struggling with this issue. Yep. And I don't think most parents are aware of it. And they're not. Yep. They're not. Um, that you know, I don't think it's it's that they don't want to be aware of it, but uh, but the uh, but the reality is this stuff is so in your face. You used to have to go and look for the stuff like to find it. it. Down. Now now it finds you, and and you have to just assume if your kid is twelve or thirteen, at some point they've had a friend that's exposed them to this at some point. If they're uh, and so you just have to you have to uh, go into it with that mindset. But it, my eyes are really open as these 
uh, young men uh, of you know 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, uh, all the leaders in their youth group, all the spiritual you know guys that, that their youth pastors would say, these are the guys, you know, the, if you want to follow them, follow these guys. This is the group. Yeah. Uh, and they were all struggling with it, every single one. Holy of them. cow. And so that really attuned my thinking as we were transitioning into a new role uh, in pastoral ministry that uh, that this had to be at um, a, a part of our discipleship processes at almost every level uh, uh, not that it's that that we, every time we have a, a Bible study this is the you know the core topic but but realizing that every age group this is going on yeah. uh, realizing that if we're going to call especially this generation uh, to follow Jesus we just have to make the assumption that this is an issue in their life uh, and uh, and to start from that from that understanding yep. uh, and until we know differently. Yeah. And so that's really shaped a lot of what we're doing, actually. Yeah. yeah and I told Jude one of the things, um, you know, we'd recently had this conversation and I was like, you know, and he thought I was joking when I started talking about this, yeah. you know, because he's 10. Right. And it's he giggles, <laughs> you know, but I'm going right. to be like, there's going to come a moment in the next, hopefully not for a, a couple more years. But like you'd said, there's going to come a moment when you're going to see something. Yes. And you're going to be really interested. Mm. And he goes, what do I do? I was like, run. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> run yes. as fast as you can. Yes. Come and find an adult, yep. a parent. I don't care. Run. Yep. And then that point, we'll deal with it then. That's we'll, right. <clears throat> I was like, but that's all you, at this point, son, just yep. run. Yep. Because we have to teach you some principles about, right. about this. And that's right. And so, yeah, that was, um, it was really good. And then just to, cause we're on this topic, I just want to sure. throw out some, some resources, a couple of really good things. Proven men is a really good, great place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had an opportunity to go and stay with the guy who founded proven men in, um, Virginia. I was actually interviewing for the job of like, uh, strategic market world district. I don't know. Anyway, it was years ago. Incredible guy. Really enjoyed meeting him and everyone that's involved with Proven Men. Highly recommended. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is the, there's a show that came out in 2016 called The Heart of Man. Hmm. And we're actually going to have the lead actor, Justin Torrance. Um, if you're hearing this, I keep texting you and you're not replying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, guilt trip. Call me back. And uh, he he wants to be on it, but anyway, it's an allegory of the prodigal son, hmm. but it's all geared around um, sexual abuse and sexual addiction, right? And it's right. beautifully done, hmm. really, really well done. Justin takes this uh, step off of like a forty foot cliff into water without looking, is because right. they were filming the scene. Oh man, they asked. It's really wow. an incredible thing to watch, and it's real, no CGI. It's quite entertaining. Um, but it's a huge, huge uh, blessing to see. They have people like Dan Allender from the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. Mm. Huge um, advocate for helping with trauma and that kind of thing. And then they have the gentleman who wrote The Shack, and he explains where The Shack actually came from. It wasn't supposed to be this replacement for the Bible. It's actually written for his kids and his wife and no one else. Right, right. So it was really cool to see his whole story and how that came about because his came from having an affair. That book, mm. that's where that's from. And how the Lord walked his wife and everybody through that. It was really, really cool. Anyway, so shifting gears. Yeah. I, so I love having conversations like that. Um, but you weren't always wanting to be a pastor here in town. Yeah. You guys were sure. actually preparing 
to go do missions. Now, were your kids a part of that? Like, were you guys all praying into that yes. together? Yeah. Or is that you and um, Stephanie? Right? I got it right. Yeah. No, I that's right. Forget. You got it right. Oh, Stephanie, yeah. so horrible with names. That's why if you see me and <laughs> Brittany, I'm like... Brittany will be so proud of you. Yeah, yeah. she will. She will. I'll get a high five <laughs> right. and, a, and a smile. And um, if I ever see you and I'm like, hey, what's up, you? Yes. It's because I've forgotten your name. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but was that... So it was something that yeah. you guys did together with the kids? Yes. Yeah, so, <clears throat> so we, uh, we really, uh, in the same way that we value that in our, in our ministry, we really wanted to incorporate our kids because we realized that, uh, uh, yes, the ultimate thing is, is that we have to follow Jesus and be obedient to him, whatever he calls us to do. Yep. Uh, but they are a part of that. And yeah. so we wanted them to, uh, to be involved in, uh, in that, in that process. And, um, and not that the, that their that their ideas would 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 shift God's call in any uh, you know that's uh, we're we're going to be obedient, yeah. but but we didn't want this again if that is what God was calling us to we didn't want this to be a uh, this is mom and dad's thing this is our thing as a family yeah uh, was our was our heart behind that and uh, and so in uh, about 2015. Uh, was the first trip that we took to the nation of Nepal, and uh, God had had done some really cool things to open up some doors, mir- miraculous things to open up doors uh, for some ministry work there. And uh, and I took Janae, my oldest daughter, with me, and that was really a life changing experience for her. Uh, she had uh, wanted to. Um, to pursue veterinary medicine ever since I can remember. When she was a younger uh, younger kid, she loved horses, loved animals, and uh, and if you would ask her what she wants to be, it was I want to be a veterinarian. And and so uh, and uh, not that there was we we wanted her to pursue whatever God had for her. And uh, our heart was just if you're a veterinarian, then do that all for the glory of God. Yeah. Uh, and so we went to Nepal together, her and I. Uh, and uh, with uh, with another with a group from our church, and we had such a powerful and transformative time. And she came back saying, uh, "You know what? I, I I know that I still I have a heart for medicine, but but I think I I, I think God would have me focus on people." It was wow. just such a yeah. transformative trip for her. Uh, very transformative trip for me. The Lord spoke so many things. Uh, on that trip, uh, that were um, that were geared towards missions and uh, and uh, in the church in the future, and so I um, real quick I don't yeah. I mean to interrupt. Sure. Um, I just have a question about that. Do yeah, you find because sure. you'd said that you guys had done some smaller trips before as well? Mm-hmm. Do you find that when you leave the United States, mm-hmm. it's easier to hear? the Lord clearer, not because of, is it, do you think it's a locational thing and a comfort thing? Or do you think it's more of a, in this moment in time in my life, I have nothing else I'm focusing on except ministry of Jesus. Yeah. I think, I think it can be a a couple of, uh, of those factors uh, working together. Cause I can remember some really powerful experiences as a young person. You just get out of your environment. You get out of the day to day and all the distractions that even subconsciously we don't realize how many things are pulling at our attention and our thoughts constantly. Yep. Uh, I have some, you know, some profound moments at, you know, Christian church camp and things like that where the Lord did some really special things. And, and what are the two things that we think about when we think about those experiences? One, 
I'm, I'm out of my environment, first of all. Uh, you know, I'm out of that distraction and that place I always am. And two, the, hopefully the purpose wasn't just to, you know, a church camp, it wasn't just about going and seeing some <laughs> girls and meeting some new girls. It was, you know, hopefully it was about it was about serving Jesus, right? I mean, yeah. but there was a component of that that we look forward to that like yep. we knew we were going to have an encounter with God because that was what was on our heart. And so, uh, you know, when you, same thing, but just multiply that and take away the idea of you're looking for girls, you're going on a mission trip yeah. uh, and you are... Um, you know, uh, you're seeking the Lord, and you're there for a very specific purpose, uh, and uh, and you're you're going with with an expectancy, and I think that's part of it too, is that you're, you're taking yourself out of your environment, you're going somewhere else, yeah. and you go with an expectancy, and, and in those things, I think it just creates, uh, uh, you know, an opportune time for the Spirit to speak to us. Do you yeah. think that you could have that? I mean. Mm-hmm. This is a, I'm, this is a loaded question. I know yeah. your answer already, <laughs> sure. but I'm just going to sure. say, yeah. do you think that we should have that expectancy here as well? Yes. And then why don't we? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I, I think it probably comes back to some of the same factors. That like comfort or... Comfort and environment and, and distraction. Uh, and we just, in our in our own environment, sometimes uh, we, we get so busy that we forget to uh, really um, pursue Jesus with that same expectancy and fervency uh, that happens when we, I think it's a lot like fasting, Jeff. You know, when you take a time uh, that you pick out and you say, "I'm going to do some prayer and fasting," uh, what's the purpose of that? It's it's to draw near to Christ, to say, uh, you know, when I am instead of eating this meal right now, uh, I'm going to take that time to hunger for the Lord. When I feel that hunger pain, that's my reminder, like, oh, in the Word, pray, and we really dedicate ourselves to that. It's no wonder in those times that we. Uh, that we seem to not just draw near to the Lord, but really hear His voice. So would you say then it's um, a reprioritization mm-hmm. of value? Yeah, sure. I, I think that's that's certainly part of it. Um, uh, I think that... Because uh, I value eating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you can tell. There's yeah. no, there's no yeah. struggle here there's with no the eating hiding. thing. Yes, there's yes, no hiding yeah, my yeah. value of eating. <laughs> so... Uh, so I think that's that's definitely that's definitely a um, a big part of it. But I I think the you know when, when we just have so many distractions going on, it's hard to filter out the voices because we have our own voices, we got our kids' voices, we got you know uh, the the demands on our time and from all these different angles. And when we get away from that for a season for a distinctive uh, reason, and that reason being God yep. and the pursuit of what He wants, uh, that that really uh, gives us a lot of opportunity for Him to speak things into our life that we. We may, and it's not that maybe we wouldn't hear them here, but maybe we hear them better there. It's a more opportune listening. It's kind of like when you're really, really busy and you're and you're and uh, and your kids or your wife are trying to have your attention to say something, and you and you hear it, yeah. but then you come back later and you're like, "What was that that you said?" Yeah, uh, you know, you you're distracted, right? Yeah. There's distractions constantly, uh, and we live in the most distracted culture probably in all of history. Huge. And yeah. so, uh, so I think there is something special that opens up those doors when we when we get out of our environment. And and we do that with the express purpose of seeking the Lord. That those just become, uh, you know, the opportunities. Now that's not to say that's always how God works. Because my family ended up in Brazil uh, because my great grandfather was on the job site as a contractor one day, <laughs> and the Lord spoke to him in the middle of, of one of the jobs and just said, "I want you to, to I want you to to uh, to yeah. sell what you have and go to Brazil." Yeah. Hey, how about we go yeah. to Brazil? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, that you know was was uh, was very much an out of the blue thing. Had no yep. 
uh, formal training, uh, could barely speak English. So how was he going to learn how to speak Portuguese and all these other uh, factors that were working against us? So that was not a uh, one of those things that just gets contrived in the mind. It was very much a Holy Spirit moment. So uh, so I don't think we want to limit the idea that I think we should pursue God yep. uh, to the best of our ability wherever we are. But those do tend to be those special moments, yeah. right? And and I just asked that because I just wanted to hear your perspective because at the Kona base. Um, a lot of the individuals I talk to try to plan um, two weeks to 30 days out of the year to leave the campus yes. ministry and yeah. go overseas yes, um, or wherever the Lord wants them to go, right? Because they might, he might say, hey, let's go to Texas and do whatever, but, uh, you know, but it's to remind themselves mm-hmm. why we're doing what we're doing. We're not right. just here to right. have fun and do all these fun things in Hawaii. Although every time I pray and say, Lord, should we move to Hawaii? I hear a clear and definite yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah. I think <laughs> when I bring it up to Jude, I'm like, hey, how do you feel about maybe moving back to Hawaii? And I don't even get it out of my mouth. He's like, yes, I'm ready to move back to Hawaii. And I'm like, okay, yeah. maybe not. So, um, but anyway, they go away to um, remind themselves. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. But, uh, multiple reasons, but yeah. yeah, that's a good one. So, well, also yeah. the perspective shift. I mean, uh, you know, you, there's nothing that replaces. Uh, you know, we, we live here, there's comforts that we're going to have no matter what. You'd have to force yourself to be uncomfortable here. I mean, you'd have to really go out of your way to be uncomfortable here or Hawaii for that matter, right? Yeah. I mean, Love my time in Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. It's easy to <laughs> to fantasize about living yeah. there, but uh, there are plenty of things yeah. that make living in Hawaii not yeah. fun. And I hope that's not sacrilege, you know? Yeah. I mean, it is one of the most beautiful places I've ever lived. Um but when you're but confronted there are with challenges. things, well, and when you're confronted with things you never, you never see that just are not a part of your reality. Yep. Uh, you know, we we experienced um, uh, the issue of human trafficking in a very real way uh, that was uh, that was profound. It was uh, life changing in the sense of just being confronted yeah. with something so evil is so in your face. Uh, and and um, and realizing that sure there is human trafficking everywhere, uh, but to see to see it that um, that blatant, uh, and uh, and these young children uh, just being uh, abused uh, and uh, and taken from their families and their environments is is uh, it, it's there's there's not really words to describe it. And I remember coming back with a teammate who for months. If you would ask him how are you doing, he was he was actually angry because oh, it makes he, me he so had such mad. a hard time, uh, you know, as he saw all the things that we have here and all the good things and the comfort. Uh, he just could not get those images out of his mind. Wow! Uh, and when you go in and uh, and pray for. Uh, for a for a family in a in a place like that where where the gospel isn't really allowed to be preached, uh, and you go and you sit in a home and and they talk about how uh, they have to move because the, the they're Christians and the uh, and their landlords uh, um, want them want them out for that reason. Or you go and you sit in a home and a dirt floor and uh, and you realize this is the this is the common home here where you have a dirt floor and very you know very impoverished place, but they want to honor you as a guest yep. and a visitor. Yep, and it would be uh, it would be Actually, rude not to accept what they uh, what they want to give you, but you realize they go out and they buy a, a soda and a and some crackers and some cookies, uh, you know, to uh, to feed you uh, as a as a guest in their home, and you realize that that how much of that 
of their monthly income was just spent so that yeah. so that you could sit in their home and talk with them. It's just a very humbling thing and it and it changes our perspective to realize that that we live unlike the rest of the world. Yep. We really are uh you know the 1% in that regard all of us are. Uh and uh, and that this is not reality. And that's one of the things that I wanted my kids to see was I want them to have a perspective that this isn't real life for the overwhelming majority of the rest of the people in the yeah. world. And, and so that they don't start thinking that, that they need to live for this. This is not uh, what the rest of the world lives like. And it really does skew and shape our perspective in a, unfortunately, sometimes in a very bad way. Yeah. And so that, that, that also, I think, is powerful because when you're confronted, not just with the time thing, not just with uh, the reality that you're seeking God but you, you're confronted uh, with your whole paradigm being shaken up, uh, that, that is, uh, that's when the, the Lord really can, can have a hold of our hearts and our minds to speak to us. And I think that's uh, the best time. Absolutely. It is. <laughs> it best. really is. Because at that moment, it could be extremely painful. Absolutely. Um, but after the transition has happened, you look back and you're like, I wouldn't trade that for mm-hmm. anything, you know? Absolutely. And yeah. So... Let's go back to um, you are talking about doing missions. You go do missions yeah. in Nepal, which is super awesome. Have you ever seen the um, Ekbola, Ekbola series? I believe it is. It's a documentary series that was done by some folks within YWAM, and mm-hmm. they, they talk about all their prep to go, and then they yeah. hike for like two weeks into Nepal. Oh, wow. No, I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I think it's I'll have to Ekbola. look that up after it's we're really done really cool. Yeah. check that out. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so you're there, and then yeah. you guys are talking about missions. The Lord speaks to you a lot about missions. For sure. And what happens? Yeah, great question. So <laughs> we uh, we experienced some really powerful things. And I, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. I'll share one thing in particular uh, that really, um, that I that I think, for me anyway, is, is a very powerful thing that continues to resonate with me. Uh, but we were there right before the, the massive earthquake that hit Nepal. Uh, we were there just a handful of months before that. Okay. And so we were there, and we trekked up into this one, uh, area and for uh, for listeners to understand, you know, when we talk about idols. Uh, for the first time in my life, I experienced what Paul when he's in Athens and it says he saw the idols and his heart was provoked. Uh, we have our idols; they're just very uh, they're very non obvious. We don't they're worship subtle. little statues, right? Yeah. We we worship sports heroes. We worship money. We worship other things yep. that we put above God. There, they literally have idols everywhere. Yep. And I was walking around uh, in Nepal, and everywhere you go, you see you see some sort of a. Uh, of a, of an implement of worship set up that that to a false god, and uh, so my, that was the first thing that I noticed was that my you know uh, my heart was just provoked uh, by that and the reality of that, uh, and we were in an area that was known as one of the primary. Uh, trafficking districts traditionally in the in the history of Nepal, and there was this. Uh, we hiked up this mountain to a king's palace. Beautiful, uh, beautiful architecture. Um, uh, just ancient old uh, structures that have been there for a very long time. Uh, mostly built out of brick, uh, and uh, and just saw these beautiful, beautiful structures. But also realized the reality of uh, of some of the things that had gone on there. Yeah. Uh, in the darkness and the spiritual darkness that was so pervasive in that place. 
and we and not far from the from that temple uh, courtyard and gate where we went, we walked through there through the king's palace, and then there's a Hindu temple uh, set up to one of the gods that, that's very commonly worshipped in that area, and it's his temple, right? And so, uh, so we go and uh, and the priest that is there is there's a family going in and doing some sort of a sacrifice and uh, Hindu sacrifice and. Uh, and they asked us if we wanted to come in. We said, no, no, that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll just observe. And so we, we were out there and we were praying. And, uh, yeah. and just the reality of what was happening began to really uh, grab a hold of my heart. And so we were, had been doing a prayer walk in that, in that time as well. And we gathered as a group uh, under this uh, this little wooden uh, space. Uh, in fact, I kept wondering: is, is the floor going to hold? It feels like you know, <laughs> uh, like this could give way at any time. Yeah. And it had this beautiful view though out over the the valley. And I remember standing there as we were praying and just taking in what I had just witnessed. And I thought, God, how in the world? Uh, this is so. This is a part of everything that these people are. This is so entrenched in their in their culture, uh, and there's no sign of you here. Uh, you know, there's no Christians uh, up here in this area where we are. How in the world? And and I just remember I had literally the thought. You're literally going to have to shake the very foundations of this place. Whoa! And I and I remember praying that, like God, I don't I don't know what's going to take, but you're you, and and I remember him just speaking to my heart. Uh, I'm above all of this. Wow! And and just that reality of that moment. So fast forward, uh, we um, I so this trip was so transformative in so many ways. There's so many stories I could share like that, but that the Lord spoke specific things into my heart. But I uh, came back and and just my paradigm was transformed. And so uh, I saw things for the first time that just began, I, I began to realize it's never going to be the same for me ever. It, it, this is, this is, uh, this is transformed, uh, you know, how I think and what I, you know, w- what our life trajectory is. And I knew it. I didn't yeah. know what that meant, but I knew this was transforming <laughs> that trajectory. And so I came back and I told Stephanie, I said, I don't know. I think, you know, maybe God wants us to to be there. He spoke some very specific things. And so we, the next year we took another trip to Nepal, just her and I, with the express purpose of saying, Lord, is this where you would have us spend our our lives? Would you have us bring our family here? Uh, would, you know, is this what you want for us? Because we we want to be a, a blank check that, you know, is written for for your kingdom and your glory, your purpose, not our own. Yeah. And so uh, so we came there. And, uh, and so to bring it back to that story I just shared with you, we went up and we hiked up to that same place. And this was post-earthquake. Uh, and, and I got up there and I could not believe... Uh, all the damage and the fallen buildings and all the things that had happened. And we walked, uh, and, and I'm showing Stephanie, I'm like, this is all, look at these places. And I, I had photos in, uh, still yeah. on my phone from the previous year, and we were comparing the Whoa. photos to what we were seeing. Yeah. And at King's Palace, uh, one of the, one of the, it was just being held up by a few, uh, few pieces of wood that were trying to keep it stabilized from falling over. I mean, just, just an incredible amount of devastation, and uh, and uh, bricks, just brick piles laying everywhere where there had been homes, uh, you know, along that same stretch between the uh, between the king's palace and that temple, that Hindu temple, and uh, just piles of bricks everywhere that had fallen over uh, these homes and businesses, and and we walked to where that little temple was, which is maybe fifty to hundred yards, I think, away from the king's palace, and. Uh, and I saw that it was that it was uh, that the top of it had had fallen in, and and uh, and I was talking to the local missionary friend of ours there, and she was telling us that he said, yeah, since the earthquake, uh, that temple has the priests left. Uh, there's been no sacrifices, no other things that have been able to happen there uh, because of that. And as I was 
as I was surveying all the damage, I realized that I'm standing in that little, small, rickety wooden structure. It's the only thing left untouched. And I felt like that was the Lord speaking to me in that moment, uh, you know, that see, look, at what I can do. I can shake entire nations. Yeah. Uh, and not only that, but standing there just seemed a little bit like a metaphor. Uh, here we had stood and prayed in that one space, <clears throat> and the Lord had spoken these things into our hearts, and, uh, and that was the only place left untouched that was still standing. Everything else had been damaged and imploded, fallen in. It took several years uh, for them to get that temple back into, into even being a functioning place for Whoa. Hindu worship. So uh, that was a powerful, powerful um, picture that the Lord shared with me. Uh, and, uh, and so we came back from that really convinced that, uh, that uh, our life uh, was going to be uh, spent uh, with this idea and this understanding of how do we help get the gospel to the nations and especially uh, to the places where it has not yet been. Yeah. Uh, and that was uh, that was a new um, mission that we knew would 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 uh, t- shape the trajectory of our lives for the rest of our lives. Okay. And so yeah. you come home, mm-hmm. you're ready to go. What happened? Mm-hmm. Why why am I not on a phone call with you right. from Nepal? Right, in Nepal. Yeah, that's a great question. So <laughs> why have I never met you and you're in Nepal? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, that that is a that is an interesting question too. Uh, we we felt so strongly after we got back that our calling was to help the gospel get to the nations that uh, that we really began to pursue that uh, in a very real way. I was self-employed, that helped. Uh, I didn't uh, we could uh, I could spend time researching, and we began talking about what does this look like. And and the more that I pressed into that, the more that the Spirit kept speaking into my heart that this wasn't going to be a traditional um, path to missions that my like my and I had no idea what that meant. Uh, but I began to envision this idea that we would spend time in Nepal, that we would spend time here, because one of the things that God spoke strongly in my heart when we were in Nepal is, uh, is when you get back, you need to, you need to help share uh, this message of what I am doing, uh, what, am, what I am doing in these hard places, what I'm doing in these unreached places, and, and the necessity for people to come to mm-hmm. these kinds of places. And so I thought, wow, Lord, I don't know what that means, but I feel like uh, a part of our uh, ministry, at least a, a significant part, will be not just being on the ground there, uh, uh, but helping to bring that awareness here, yep. and so, uh, and so, uh, I, from the very beginning, Steph will tell you. I, I told her, I don't think this is going to be like my grandparents, for example, who would go for four years at a time uh, on the mission field and come back for a year to itinerate and then go back four more years and on this traditional missions cycle. And uh, so we began to ask the Lord, well, how do we how do we do that? Uh, you know, what does that look like for us? Because that's all we've ever known is this other model. And uh, and so we began to press into that in prayer, uh, and it became very clear to us that this wouldn't be an immediate thing, uh, because we didn't even know what it would look like and how we would accomplish it and, and how we would fund it or any of those other things. So we just began to pray, and yeah. we began to ask the Lord to open up those doors, and it, and it felt like a, a very long season of waiting. I hate waiting. Like I was <laughs> Me saying, too. I oh, hate it. It's the worst. But we, as, as, I, as we were talking about earlier, uh, just you and I, sharing about how uh, so many times in my life I had felt like the Lord was speaking something into my life, uh, and I just wanted to run and do it. Uh, and That's so I would run time. ahead of the Holy Spirit, and I would get out there thinking that I was doing what God wanted me to do, and uh, and and uh, and I would just make a mess of it. Uh, and so I was so determined this time 
that that would not be the case. That I would uh, very. I knew God was 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 setting us on a new trajectory. I knew that. I knew uh, it was interesting. The Lord had spoke to me. I'd just taken a new job. Uh, that uh, I had been working for myself, and uh, a friend of mine had just taken a position at a company in Florida and called me and said, hey, they really need some help. Would you be interested in being a part of this? And I said, oh, I don't know. I kind of like doing my own thing. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and so I, I had just accepted uh, a role as a full-time software developer there, and I felt the Lord tell me, this is the last job you're ever going to have before you're in full-time ministry, and I knew it. So, uh, so, as, uh, so I didn't know how long that was going to be, yeah. but I knew that uh, in addition to our, our role as pastors here at the Calvary Chapel, that we would also, um, and, and, and working for this company, that that would be the last company I ever worked for before uh, before whatever the Lord had planned would 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 uh, would be our new thing. And so uh, so it was, uh, I, won't, I won't lie, it was hard to wait. Uh, it was tough to, to know, like there's waiting. this calling. <laughs> we have such a passion, like the Lord burned such a passion in me for world evangelism uh, and that his gospel would go to the nations. And I've often shared this, I'll just share this for your for your listeners, yeah. uh, but uh, but the Lord really opened up our eyes to see the entire meta-narrative of the scripture from Genesis to Revelation is about every tribe and tongue and language and nation having an opportunity to hear the gospel. And so from Genesis 12, 2 and 3, we see Jesus, uh, we see the God come to Abraham and say, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, uh, and uh, and I'm not just blessing you so that you're going to you know be wealthy and uh, and, uh, and and uh, you're going to grow this nation, but it actually tells him that through you all the peoples of the world will be blessed. And so from the from the beginning, we see this picture that's not just about the nation of Israel; it's about uh, God redeeming humanity. And in Matthew 24:14, Jesus Himself, in one of those famous uh, on the Olivet discourse, famous sermons of Jesus, and He speaks, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all the nations and the language there is pantata ethne, all nations, all peoples, all, all tribes, tongues, languages. And, uh, and we know that that's w- what is spoken because when we look ahead to Revelation 5, 9, we look to Revelation 7, 9, we see all nations. And we actually see in Revelation 7, 9, this picture of people from every tribe and tongue and language and nation. It uses that same language, panta to ethne, all nations. And it goes in and explicitly says all tribes, tongues, languages. I love it. Before the throne. And so that transformed. And we said, wait a minute, you know, there's a, there's a, in fact, I've told people this. I don't think it's ever been more clear in all of history what the mission of the church is. Uh, And, um, and since the the some of the early, uh, I mean some of the missions pioneers that were that were that were figuring this stuff out and learning this in the 1970s, but it's just come to yep. the mainstream church some of this understanding, and and yet we realize that so many people still don't have that understanding. So we felt like that this is what God was calling us to you know to help in that process of helping bring that understanding, and and so the wait was incredibly difficult because you realize once you catch that vision in your heart, you're like. Well, we got to do it now. It's you know time is ticking, Lord, yeah. and uh, and so. Yep. But we again didn't want to run ahead of the Holy Spirit, so we spent about five years on this track of Lord. Is it missions? Lord, is it Nepal? Lord, is it these other places where we have very significant ministry contacts among the unreached? Where do you want us to go? Our and, lives are blank check. And during that five years, yep. um, I want to get to this. Before, I, I feel bad whenever I cut you off, but I'm just I want to ask no, the questions at the right at the right time. Yeah, please. Um, like I'd shared with you that we're coming into our fourth year for the property yeah. and we wanted it year one, but we know had that happened yeah. from that point to this would have been a financial disaster. <laughs> for sure. For sure. 
And that's one aspect. Mm -hmm. The other aspects are what's happening in my our family and myself and my wife and my kids. Yes. And just in our family in general, you know, everywhere, right? Did, so it's not just because we can hear, oh, we waited for five years, and yes. that can just seem like, oh, the Lord wanted us to wait for five years. Right. Did you guys see a transformation in you and Stephanie and yeah. your family during that time yes. that had it, you not, you know, they say the definition of success is when preparation meets opportunity. Right, right. So do you think that that time of prep, can you see that in your guys' Abs- family? Absolutely. And, and in fact, because the Lord... Uh, you know the Lord. We talk about this. We think our timing's pretty good, but the Lord's Mine's is the always best. the best. Right? So, <laughs> so we think ours is the best, but He always proves us wrong. It seems, but uh, uh, but uh, just seeing where we are right now, it's it's, it's so clear uh, that that God had a very specific um, uh, set of uh, set of plans in motion that that we couldn't see. We just had to trust and be faithful. But in that time, yes, absolutely, we saw uh, God opening up. Um, our eyes to uh, for the preparation of what he was calling us to, mm-hmm. and uh, very specifically, I can remember picking up and reading the the book, The Insanity of God, uh, by Nick Ripkin, and uh, just a powerful story about going and sitting at the feet of the persecuted and and learning from them. Is Jesus worth it? And and what are the what are the tools? What can we learn from them? Uh, you know, as Americans and as the Western Church, uh, and uh, such a wonderful, wonderful book. I recommend uh, anybody uh, please go pick. It up and read it. Phenomenal book. But but Nick was coming to uh, to Portland uh, for a Mission Connection conference, and uh, I'll just put a little plug in. There's one coming up here pretty quick. So anybody you know, it's interesting. It's a, it's a phenomenal conference. Uh, but we went to that. We saw Nick was going to be the uh, the the keynote speaker, uh, and uh, and we went and and uh, uh, made an intentional. Uh, Point to be there because he was going to be there, and we were uh, we were there, and the Lord just spoke so many things through Nick, and, and and in fact, very specifically, so we learned a lot about persecution. We learned a lot about the persecuted church. We learned a lot about planting churches in persecuted contexts. And in one of the sessions in particular, I asked him. I said, Nick, you know, this is a really fascinating thing. Uh, that that, uh, but here's here's my question for you: is that um, you know, the people who understand this stuff are all out doing it. How, you know, where is the training? Where's the resources for people that, that want to know how do we go, you know, how do we do this? How do we take the gospel? This is new and most people don't know what to do. And the ones that do know are on the field. They're pioneering this right now. How do we, you know, how do we learn these things? And it was so profound what he said. He said, here's what I recommend for people that want to go plant churches in unreached context. He's all, if I, if I had it to do it over again, I would make sure every single one of them had planted a church in their own context first. And that they would, because of two things he said, one, that proves that they're not just in love with the romanticism of going and going overseas and doing something, that, that they really do care about the church so much so that they've, that they've done everything they can to, uh, wherever God has placed them uh, to, to advance the, the gospel and to see churches planted. But also he said, you learn and you make your mistakes there because when you make mistakes over here, it gets people killed. And so that was a, a fascinating thing. And as he spoke that, it wasn't his words that convinced me, but as he spoke that, the Holy Spirit uh, spoke to me, and I realized in that moment 
that God was uh, was calling us to start uh, a, with a ministry of of um, in a sense church planting, and uh, and and th- and prior to this, I should say because this is a really important part of that story was we had uh, started participating in a in a in a course called Perspectives because we're we're just like Lord's given us heart for ministry, He's given us heart for missions, uh, even though we don't know where we're going. Let's let's take this class because we're just going to keep preparing ourselves uh, until until God says now's go time, and so we took this class called Perspectives, uh, and uh, and it was really powerful. But as, as I was taking that class, the Lord began to start giving me this vision for church planting. And I, I, I remember start writing things down. I remember even asking the Lord, why are you, why are you sharing these things with me? Uh, we're, we're planning on, on going overseas as missionaries. And I, and I thought, but you know what, if the, if the spirit is speaking, then it's for a reason. So I'm just going to be obedient. I'm going to start to write this stuff down. Yeah. But more and more church planting ideas and vision kept coming to me. Uh, and as I and as I wrote it down more and more, I began to ask the Lord, "Are you doing? Are, are, are you changing uh, this up?" And and it wasn't that He was changing it up, but are you are you doing something that's different than what I thought it was going to be? And so I just kept. But by the time then we get to this conference, and Nick said that that was confirmation for me that the Lord was saying, "I'm calling you to missions, but I'm calling you to." to it through church planting and through taking some of those things that I've shown you on the field. And I want you to bring that back. And I want you to, uh, you know, to help others and help other churches uh, uh, see this and catch this vision uh, because this is the mission of the church. Yeah. And it's the mission of every local church that will embrace it. And so. So did you see, did uh, Stephanie have similar words? What was she hearing in that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I can I can tell you stuff was uh was uh going through a season in that time where she said I you know, I just don't know what the Lord uh wants and so she was very um She's very reliant, to, in a sense, to uh, to press in with me to pray about these things that I felt like the Spirit was showing, because at, at that season in time, she just didn't really feel a confirmation one way or the other. And so uh, part of that, though, I think that conference solidified it for us. When we left that conference, both of us felt like for the first time, I think this is what God is calling us to. And that was different because all of, all this time we've been aiming for which nation is it, Lord? And he was saying all of them and the one you're already in, right? And yeah. so that was that was transformative too. And that wasn't to say like we we our hearts are open. If the Lord said tomorrow, I want you here, we we would be there. And I'm confident in that for both of us and for our family. Yeah. Uh, but it was very clear to us that he was saying, uh, I've got pastoral ministry for you in the immediate. Uh, and that was... Uh, and that was a complete change because that was not something that we had been pursuing or thought that that's as we were standing on those you know on those hills in Nepal uh, that was not what we were uh, what we were expecting. So, like we, this is where I wanted. You know, we talked before. Yeah, this is what I want to hear as well. Like I wanted to hear all. That. I I realized I was staring at you because I was so <laughs> enthralled with what yeah. you said. I was like, maybe I should sit up because I think I'm looking pretty creepy right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're all good. You're all good. Yeah. But um, yeah. when it's it's exciting for the Lord to say it's you're going to go do missions, right? Yes, it's the unknown. You're yep. going into an exotic culture. The, the romanticization of it, right? Yes. Like it's yep. easy to get romanticized and fantasize about moving to Hawaii and do missions, but you get your butt kicked when you go. Absolutely. I can attest yep. to that. Um, when you hear. Um, you're going to be doing pastoral ministry. Yeah. yeah. Did you feel excited, or did yes. you kind of yeah. feel good question? Um, like you maybe it had that excitement, spiritual wind knocked out of you, and yeah. here you are. 
you didn't make the cut, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> you have to stay home right, and right. pastor your local community. Because yeah. unfortunately, like I'd said before, I really do think that as believers, we do think that way. Sure. Especially, maybe not all of us. I don't want to group everybody. But those of us that maybe are a little bit more internationally missions focused. Yeah, for sure. Right? Because I loved, we love traveling. Yeah. Like I literally picked my DTS to go to because it said around the world in 80 days. And I love the Jack Chan movie. Right, right. And was like, I want to go do that school because that sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, so did you feel that way? Did you feel like you had, you were just like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, that's a great, that is a fantastic question. Uh, and, and the reason, uh, why that's a fantastic question, because I think there would have been times in my life where, where that might've, that might've been the response and perhaps that's part of the preparation process. Uh, maybe, you know, in one year one or year two of, of Nepal that that might've been, uh, that might've been part of it, but I, I definitely, um, here's here's one thing. I, I knew my grandparents and their ministry was so prolific, uh, and uh, and I and I'd never felt a pressure that I had to live up to that. If if God were calling us into missions, uh, but I remember having a conversation with the Lord about this very thing, uh, and uh, and just saying, um, you know, Lord, this is an interesting change, and uh, and <laughs> just unexpected, you know, uh, unexpected, <laughs> and. Um, and I remember the Spirit speaking very strongly to my heart. You know, if you go overseas to a place like Nepal, it, it, it will change lives. Like that, that there's no, there's no question about our missionaries that go overseas and do this. But you will be one uh, missionary family that's over there helping to do this work. Uh, but if if you walk in the calling that 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 I have uh, called you to, um, then there will be more missionary families. That, than just your family that that are over doing that kind of work. And here's something really, hmm. really cool, Jeff, to share with you. So uh, last year, uh, almost a year ago, uh, this uh, this last uh, uh, December 31st, 30th, I think it was, uh, we streamed a conference. During COVID, we couldn't go to a conference, so we said, let's stream one here at the church. And we had uh, just started a thriving young adults and college-age group ministry. It was me in our home uh, with the purpose of discipleship. And we just said, hey, guys, we can't go to a conference, but let's treat this like a conference. Let's go to the church. We'll live stream it. Take a couple days off work if you can, uh, and we'll just have a fun time gathering together and, and attending this. And the conference was called the Cross Conference, uh, and a uh, bunch of wonderful uh, people, David Platt, John Piper, a bunch of people who are really at the forefront of some of this uh, yeah. talk about unreached mission, uh, yep. you know, missions to unreached people groups and unengaged people groups. And it was a powerful conference directed towards youth, and we thought this will be perfect. And so we live streamed that conference, and we shared meal together and, and uh, had a good time. It was fantastic. Two days. And at the end of that conference, at the end of two days, uh, they're giving a call, you know, on the live stream for people who are watching and saying, I want you, if you feel like God is calling you to the nations, uh, then um, it, like you're, you're feeling a very direct sense that God wants to use your life for this purpose. I want you to stand up. We had 10 students in the room and I thought, oh, that's pretty neat that they're, you know, giving out a call like that. I had no expectation whatsoever. I know all these kids. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, and at the end of that call, uh, two of them stood up uh, and said, I think this is what God is calling me to do with mm-hmm. my life. Uh, and I was floored. And then a third one uh, after that uh, came and stood up and uh, and and has committed their lives for this purpose. And I looked at this and, and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, and this is just the beginning. 
That's and awesome. So, and so I thought about that, and but those kinds of things, like, um, so to come back to your initial question there, were you disappointed? Uh, I really wasn't. And the reason was, is because we had been waiting five years, like, Lord, what is it? Lord, what are we, you know, where are we supposed to be? What are we doing? And so to finally have concrete, uh, you know, start taking the steps, uh, because I've always come to the belief that if 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 we're doing what God has called us to do, uh, then then that will be satisfying despite what we you know maybe envision in our yep. mind. And so I was thrilled because I for the first time I'm sitting there thinking. Uh, I know what I'm doing, uh, you know, for the rest of my life. Uh, and I'm just waiting for that moment when God says, here's the place and here's exactly yeah. what it looks like. And, and I think uh, that, so comes, that was huge. And I think that comes down to a kind of a removal of our expectation, right? Yeah. And it's, again, sure. the fantasization of something, yes. right? Where yeah. I think if the only expectation that you have is that God's going to do whatever the heck he wants, right? Right. Right. And then you just respond yeah. with, yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's going to go well. Yeah. And I like what you had to say, too, about, um, you know, you could go and you could do this and you'll be one family. But if you if you do it this way, right, you'll have multiple. So it's that yep. um, the way that I hear it is a guy from that's worked with YWAM for years, Dan Bauman, went to Afghanistan when he was in his early 20s hmm. to work um, in a hospital. Wow. He just finished business school in California, I believe, is where it was. I'm probably getting that wrong. I know he's from California. I don't know if that's – I think he went back east for school. Anyway, he got his degree in business. He got hired to go to Afghanistan. And on the plane, this was before the whole Afghanistan war and everything took off. And it was when they were in civil war. It was worse. And he's just panic mode, full panic mode on the plane. Wow. And he's like, why am I going by myself? Why am I going by myself? And he's like, the Lord's like, you're not going by myself. And uh, he's like, I am going by myself. And the Lord started speaking to him. And he goes, um, he gives Dan this vision of Jesus waiting on the tarmac for Dan to arrive in Afghanistan. And Jesus is having this conversation with this guy next to him where he's like, hmm. do you know, do you know, what are you, who are you here for? And the guy's like, oh, I have some business contacts that are yeah. coming in. And Jesus, yeah. he's like, who are you here for? And Jesus is like, I'm waiting for Dan. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy's like, who's Dan? He's like, oh my gosh, you don't know Dan? Dan's my best friend. You know, like goes into this whole, well, he, he sits there and is like, well, why is he coming here? He goes, well, Dan thinks he's coming to Afghanistan to do work for me. But really, this is the best place for Dan and I to grow closest together. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And that's how I hear that, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. while this is a task that has been given to you and the ministry that you've just said is going to be for the rest of your life, however yeah. that looks, yeah, this is the best place for Aaron yeah. and his family to grow closest to God. Yeah, for sure. And and um, the best place to be for any uh, of us, and, and I think, you know, uh, those who have, who have walked in this and understand what will understand exactly what I'm saying. The the best place you can be is uh, is when you know you're in the center of God's will for your life in that time. You're following Him. You're doing exactly. Uh, you're 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 walking where He's placed you. You're doing exactly what He's called you to do. And yeah. that, I mean, just like our you know our uh, all of us maybe have had uh, multiple jobs in our lifetime. You know, roles we'll call it. Uh, and uh, and and so I've had plenty of those. I've, yeah. I've had to opportunity to do some really neat things. Um, and, uh, and, and I may like, this is the role right now that God has called us to. And until he tells us differently, uh, this is exactly what we're going to be doing. But I knew when that, when that, 
moment and that shift happened in Nepal that uh, regardless of what role it was, that the rest of my life was going to be dedicated to people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus before hearing the gospel. And that was what I knew. And I knew that that could take a number of different uh, roles throughout the rest of my lifetime. But I knew that, hey, this is the rest of my life is going to be defined by this until uh, until Christ comes or until I die. This yep. is exactly what I'll be doing with the rest of my life. And there's nothing more powerful than that. So when I uh, when the, this opportunity and the Lord, you know, um, kind of uh, showed us what it was going to be. I was I was ecstatic uh, because uh, not because of the role itself, but because this was one avenue to begin that part of, of of what God had called me to do. And so now you're the pastor of the Assembly of God. Yes. Yep. How did that word translate into? Yeah. That. That's a great question. Uh, we've had a, <laughs> we've had a chance. No, we've had a chance to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are those are uh, those are all part of the story, though, which is which is phenomenal, and that's been one of the neat things is to see every step of the way, uh, God's hand, you know, through all of that. And and I will say uh, that um, it, we're getting ready to do a week of prayer and fasting at the church, and uh, one of the reasons why that is so important to me is when we started doing that, um, and I'll go into a little bit of the detail there, but as uh, as we started doing that when we were uh, pastors at. Uh, uh, Calvary Chapel here in town. And some people are going to say, wait a minute, you pastored Calvary Chapel here in town, now you pastor the assembly, what's up with that? Uh, and that's the, that's often the question that we get, and it's it's a neat story. But through that process of prayer and fasting is what even took us to Nepal. Uh, we could we could look back and see in these times of prayer and fasting, God did very specific things uh, as a church even, uh, as at the Calvary Chapel, to to put us on a trajectory to be where uh, where we were at, and, and it was so clear to me. And so, uh, so we are are, um, are so uh, committed to that uh, because of the reality of how we have experienced God um, placing us on the trajectory. I'd say that we are where we are today, very specifically because of all of those things working together in God's great plan and story, right? Yeah. And so we were at the Calvary Chapel, uh, and uh, as as pastors there uh, on staff at the Calvary Chapel here, and uh, and the Lord began to really speak to our hearts. And so it was after that that uh, that missions conference. I told you, Stephanie and I walked away from that, and we said, okay. Uh, we've been doing what we've been doing for you know for all this time, and I feel like that was the, finally the commissioning of the Lord to say, start taking steps. Like, you leave this conference, the next thing you're doing is you're beginning to take concrete steps uh, to uh, to 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 walk in this calling of of pastoral ministry, and uh, which we were already in pastoral ministry, but we felt it was you know moving from staff pastors to moving into a into a uh, into a full time ministry role. Uh, in uh, and uh, and and especially with this, some of this church planting vision, and so we uh, we began to take those concrete steps. So we began to first thing you do, you pray. We fasted, we prayed, uh, <laughs> and uh, we began to take those steps. And we were at our annual Calvary Pastor uh, Calvary Chapel Pastors Conference in Corvallis. Uh, and we left there saying, we're supposed, this is it. This is the, uh, so, and that was maybe six months removed from this Mission Connection conference where we realized it was pastoral ministry. And so if things started to happen very, very quickly after that. And uh, and that's often the way it is with the Lord, right? Yep. As you know, when when things happen, sometimes they happen so quickly. You're 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 almost left looking like, what just happened? Yeah, <laughs> it's, where that am was I? quick. And yeah. so we were at the Calvary <laughs> Chapel Pastors Conference. So what's really special about that, Jeff, is that we, for the first time, we you know neither one of us were originally from the Calvary Chapel movement, and for the first time at that conference, and this was again just the the beauty of the Lord in the story was we met so many pastors at that conference. 
And uh, and we, for the first time, are like, these are our people. Like, this is, we're going to get to go plant a church with Calvary Chapel. This is amazing. And so, uh, and we were there with our uh, with our friends, Rory and Lindsay, uh, and uh, and uh, and a couple of the other pastors on uh, on our team. And uh, and we just walked away, and we even shared with them, like, hey, guys, this is so neat what the Lord is speaking. And, and we just began to, uh, on the way home, we were, we were uh, Steph and I just couldn't stop talking about, like, this is it. Like, we're finally there. Like, yeah. this is the, this God is moving. And so we were absolutely convinced it was Calvary Chapel. And we got home, and the Lord uh, threw another curveball out our direction. <laughs> and so, uh, and, uh, and so as we began to press in and pray and fast about this very specifically, I felt the Lord speaking to my heart, I want you to go back to your roots. I want you to go back to uh, to the assemblies of God. And I thought, wow, Lord, really? We just literally feel like this is our this is our place where we fit in. And this is where we've been the last uh, 12 years. Is this really what you're calling us to do? And uh, and so we prayed and fasted about it. And and uh, and I remember driving up to the reservoir just uh, uh, just south of town here, Primeville Reservoir with Stephanie. And and uh, we we just wanted to get away and have a chance to just talk and after praying and fasting. And I shared with her. I said, you know, I I think God, you know, would bless either direction that we go. Uh, and but here's the reason why I think He's calling us back. And I I just shared a very specific word. And and I don't uh, I don't like to to share that too much, just because uh, I I don't want it to sound um, in any way any sense of uh, of arrogance in it. Yep. Because there's like we are nothing. God has, you know, our story. Like only by the grace of God are we even are we even here. Yep. Uh, and so, but he shared this word influence, and as I, and I, and I, and I just told her, I said, "Look, we're you know we're finally feeling in like we like we fit in with the Calvary Chapel folks here. This is really our our people." But uh, but we both have such a deep like her parents were pastors with the Assembly of uh, of God movement. My my family, generations of missionaries in Brazil, and everywhere I go, people know my grandfather, and so. I said, it's not our influence, it's, it's the legacy of influence that was laid before us by faithful people that went before us. Mm-hmm. And I think God might be calling us back to that. And that was kind of scary because yeah. it wasn't, it was, it was a complete new curveball. And she's like, are you sure? And I said, <laughs> I don't know. You know, but as we talked about it, we prayed, we both felt like that's what God was calling us to do. So that was a completely new new uh, curveball that God threw at it. Uh, but it, but to see how things unfolded after that, it was so obvious that that was the Holy Spirit speaking. Uh, but at that moment, it was a little bit scary because uh, we were we were stepping out of something that we that we known people that we love that we'd spent years and years in ministry with here in Primeville, you know, to this new thing. And uh, and so uh, so that was a new challenge. But I went ahead and said, "We're just going to keep doing what God." He said, "Keep taking steps forward." So I took the steps forward, called the you know called the uh, Oregon Ministry Network office here, found out already because of where I went to school and graduated uh, down at Bethany University that uh, I'd be able to step in and get my licensing and credentialing. And the Lord just opened up all the doors without me even having to do any additional school or anything wow. else because uh, the the schooling, all the prep work that I had never thought about ministry in my life, but all that prep work of, of, of what God had planned for this moment was already done, yep. and uh, and so uh, and so we stepped into that, and then we're like, well, okay, we got that. Now what? <laughs> we <had> just built <laughs> we had just built a house, and and I'll tell you, we built the house here in town, and the Lord said, I want you to build this. It's going to be for ministry. And we thought, great, yeah, we can host home groups and small groups up here, and yeah, and uh, and so we thought, uh, you know, that that's what maybe God was doing. But we didn't want to build a house, but we were just obedient to do it because God told us to do it. Yeah, and uh, and about that time that I got my licensing. Church from California contacted us and said, uh, and this was somebody's a God church, and said, uh, "Would you guys mind putting in a, a resume?" It's a church we know. We have lots of people in that church that were, that were, and so 
we immediately thought, oh, this is it. Like, Lord, you op- you just opened up uh, the, the door. There we go. And so here we are. We're going to be <laughs> heading to California. And uh, and so we began those conversations. And uh, and and that was the, actually the catalyst for obedience. So we felt like the Lord uh, had told us, build this house, you know, and, and, and sell it, that we were building it ultimately to sell. Uh, but you know how nice things are. We can get really attached to them and think, yeah, this would be a great place to do a small group. Yeah. yeah. And But that was like, I think we're supposed to, let's list the house. Let's get it going. That was the catalyst to get the house on the market. And uh, and so we started that process. And then we began to realize, you know what? It's I don't think it's California. I don't, I don't think that's what God, you know, that's, I don't think where he's leading us. Yeah. And so at that question, at that moment, Steph's like, well, should we take the house off the market? I said, I don't think so. I think we've... You know, let's pray into this, but it feels like every step of the way, God has been opening up the doors as they've needed to be opened. And so I said, let's keep the house uh, on the market. And so uh, we got an offer, sold the house, and had no idea what was next. And so uh, we said, well, we got to have a place to live. Uh, and we had started talking with the Oregon Ministry Network about maybe planting a church in either Bend or Redmond. Uh, and uh, and so, uh, in fact, we had just started those conversations and uh, and so we sold the house and we said, well, if we're going to plant a church in Bend or Redmond, uh, we're going to need a place to live. So let's just buy a house in town. We're going to downsize significantly because we're going into ministry and uh, you don't make, uh, you know, software engineering salaries when you do that. <laughs> so uh, especially if you're church planting. So um, so we uh, we downsized and got into uh, into a, a, a smaller place and a less expensive place. And Lord miraculously opened up that door. Everything closed. Everything was ready. And uh, we thought, great, we're on a church. God give it, gave us church planting vision. This is what we should be doing until he tells us differently. Yep. And so uh, we started all of those processes where we get uh, we move uh, and uh, out of that house. And I'm on a fishing trip in Alaska with my dad and my brother-in-law and a good friend of mine from here in, in the community. And, uh, and we're in Alaska. We're completely out of cell phone coverage for seven days. And we get back into cell phone coverage, and my phone, of course, is always when you're gone for seven. It's just beep, 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 all kinds of notifications. Yeah. But one of them stood out to me, and I popped it open. It was a text message, and it just simply said, "Did you see that Pastor Larry resigned?" And Pastor Larry uh, was the pastor of the Assemblies of God Church here in the town that we live in. And uh, and I and I um, and I saw that, and and I was on the plane flying home that day, thinking, "Oh, I think I know what you're doing, God. I don't want to be presumptuous, but are are you?" Are you uh, throwing us another curveball? You know, and so, uh, and and I will tell you from that moment, I really do think that I knew that this is what it was going to be. And what's what's hard about that is, for you know, for many years, I thought, no way, there's no, uh, you know, we have, let's, we're going to church plant, we're going to do this. I'm, I'm not going uh, to, uh, you know, that's not what God's plan is, is to take that little church and a little community, uh, and uh, and have that be. But the Lord had spoken to us during this time. You talked about preparation. Again and again, this this verse kept coming in sermons in our own personal study. It says, "Do not despise small beginnings." There you go. And uh, and so I said, Lord, I, I, maybe my heart's been wrong in this, but I don't want to despise a small beginning. If this is yep. what you have mm-hmm. for us, uh, it, and uh, I'm not looking for my glory, I'm looking for yours. And uh, and you often get the glory when 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 we get out of the way and we step into situations where only you get the glory. And so uh, we got back from uh, from that trip. 
And I had expected I would receive some sort of a phone call. And within about a week, I did. And uh, and I got a call from Lee McLeod, uh, who uh, is part of the Oregon Ministry Network church yep. uh, planting team. And uh, and uh, and uh, he said, hey, uh, so uh, the church in Primeville, where you guys live, uh, their pastor just resigned. Would you want to be the interim pastor? And I had been talking with Lee because that's who we were going to church plant in Bender Redmond. Yeah. And uh, we'd already talked to a church in Madras that was going to be the parent church for that. So yep. we were already on a trajectory with Lee. And, uh, and he said, would you want to be the interim? And I said, uh, yeah, Lee, that'd be great. I mean, that was my home church growing up. Uh, and, uh, and if they need, uh, you know, some help in the interim, I'd be more than happy to do that. Well, I mean, the Lord told you you're going to do it anyway. So go back to your roots. I mean, <laughs> yeah. come on, you're just listening. Right. You would have known. Uh, isn't it? I, it's so funny that you say that because that's exactly right. And I didn't even, I didn't realize how deep that was going to go. Yeah, and come so, on, man. Uh, and so I, uh, and so I said, okay, uh, Lee, but you know, this is great and everything, but you know what? We just bought a house in this community and Stephanie and our roots are like, she works for the school district here. Uh, our roots are here. Should we, should we be putting in a resume? Instead of taking the interim role, and he said, "I don't, I don't know. Do you want to?" <laughs> I said, <laughs> "I said, well, I don't know if, if it's as much about want as it is. Uh, I think we need to we need to be faithful. If the Lord is opening up a door, even though this wasn't the door we would have picked, uh, that we would um, that we would be faithful to at least see it through." Mm-hmm. And uh, and he said, "Well, why don't you send me your resume, and I'll, uh, and uh, and I'll I'll reach out to the to the board and see." Uh, if that would even be of interest to them, and so I said, "Great." And I, uh, and he calls me five minutes later. He's all, "Send me your resume." They, they're meeting uh, tomorrow <laughs> night, and they want to be able to have your resume in front of them. Wow! And uh, and so uh, so uh, so they met the next night, sent the resume, and within a week they called and they wanted to, us to come in and, and interview. And I think I knew from that moment that I mean I already knew, I, the, the, but I knew that was it. Like the Lord was confirming every step of the way. You're walking into this the is, office. You're walking, and yep. And, all the other pastors. There and you're just like y'all can just go home, you know. <laughs> and you so, heard wrong. You yeah. heard wrong. You know, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So it was it was really neat though that the board brought us in and they showed us a questionnaire that all their people had filled out and it fit our family to the T. Wow. Been, and and we had talked a lot about missions in our interview because we we basically didn't want. I mean, we thought church planting, and in a way, there this was very much a, a replanting effort. Uh, but we thought, uh, you know, in that like. Um, you know, there's no way that we would take uh, a, a bigger church because the the vision was very clear about missions and trying to steer a ship that's already in motion is very, very difficult. So much easier to plant with a new vision than it is to, uh, you know, to steer a new ship another direction. Yep. In fact, uh, infinitely easier to just plant, Yeah. Uh, even though there's challenges with church planting. Yeah. Uh, but when we, uh, they, they told us, they said, what, well, you know, just... Uh, the one question that we have, everything sounds great, but we just want to know uh, we, that we are getting a, a pastor with a heart for missions because this is a we may be a small church, but we but we love missions. Uh, and uh, and I said I don't think that there could be any better match than for you know for both directions of this. That was very cool. And uh, and God just opened up the doors within within two weeks. We were the pastors of that church. Uh, and after all these years and five years of waiting and doing all these things, and in an instant we thought at the very least we were going to have to you know do this long process of church planting or you know who knows what would that process would look like. And all of a sudden we're in a we're in a uh, we're in a new role. And uh, and it was very clearly a role that God had opened up. So even though it was not the role. We had envisioned. Yeah. It certainly was. We. I remember stepping away from that and thinking, "Wow, God, uh, for the for the first time in five years, uh, I've, I've, you know, I'm feeling this incredible 
sense of peace and satisfaction because we're exactly where you've opened up every door, the doors we couldn't have even imagined opening and just at the right time. Uh, and, yep. uh, and, and again, there's no place you'd rather be than in God's will. Yep. And so, uh, so there suddenly here we are, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a small church in, yep. in my home community, in the same church that we were just pastoring. And what's so neat about that though, is that we have such a beautiful relationship and friendship already, uh, with the pastors in this community because, uh, because of those connections and because of that, I mean, the Calvary Chapel, Family still our church family, just like this is our church yeah. family, and so it has been amazing. Uh, and I don't; it's such an unusual story. Those kinds of things just don't normally happen. And every pastor, in fact, I've shared this with, they're like, "That's crazy! You're pastoring in the same town in a different denomination than the church you pastored before, and it wasn't a church split." <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just a, it's just a, it is a very unusual story in that sense. But it's only really a, cool. only God writes those stories, yep. right? And so, with all of that said. Yeah. Can you let's see how I can see how I can word this right? Because I love the stories. I love them. Just like you said, only God can write a story like that. Yeah. But let's take that and point it back at him and say, Yeah. What during that whole process of time? Yes. How would you describe the Lord? Does it make mm. sense? It's a pretty yeah. open-ended question, but how would you describe how he walked with you, how he right. addressed you, um, his correction, his um, redirection, his uh, encouragement. How would you describe God during that entire time? Yeah. That, oh, man, that's... That that is a uh, another another good uh, another good question to think I'm full through. Of them. Yeah, I'm so you full are. Of them. It's like getting. <laughs> let's get deep. Yeah. Uh, so, um, well, some of the, some of the things for sure. Um, like uh, there were some things in our in our mind and our our heart. Like I said, I I don't think uh, it really it really struck me, Jeff, when I was in my office the other day and I opened up a book. And it was from my pastor, the pastor that pastored this church when I was in youth group and uh, and uh, when I went to college. And when I went to college, I, if you had told me I would be a pastor, let alone a pastor at this church, uh, you know, in that in that future time, I would have said, "There's there's no way. You're crazy. I have no desire to do that." And, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, let alone to be back in this, you know, in, in the community of my youth, so to speak. And uh, and so um, at that point in time, I would have never had that kind of that kind of thinking. I had, I had big plans for me. Yeah, you know, big dreams for me. And uh, and. Uh, and I had a lot of opportunity to uh, to have a lot of great things and a lot of success. And I think all of that, uh, though, ultimately has been um, preparation coming back. Uh, and uh, and in that season of time, we, we went through and going. I'm talking going all the way back through college to now. Like we went through a lot of difficult things that God. In every step of the way, we thought our life was just being you know was just imploding. And in every single one of those, it was God doing something that needed to be done. And in fact, the very first thing was just taking it back to the very foundations and saying this this house may look good on the outside, but the foundation is is broken. And if you've got a broken foundation, I don't care how good that house looks, it's going to fall at some point, or it's going to you're, you're going to risk that and so I, I'm so grateful to the grace of God that as a young, you know, arrogant, confident uh, young guy coming out with all the, you know, all the success and all the things that were uh, that were going on for me in that season, that God didn't call me to be a pastor and didn't call me into ministry because I would have probably thought, you know, that that that's that's what He should do, you know, yeah. and uh, and because of me and my, you know, my connections and my gifts and what I could do, you know, for Him. And uh, and he just had to absolutely obliterate that pride out of me, uh, and 
And so, uh, and I'm grateful. I really feel like, you know, those moments actually saved my life. Yeah. Uh, those was some of the darkest, hardest moments were, were moments that needed to happen. And so when we walked through this, this five years, we were in a much different place than that. We were really seeking God's will, but there were still things that we, uh, the, the, the Lord needed to work, uh, in us to prepare us for this, for both of us. Stephanie yeah. and I both, uh, had things that, that the Lord needed to, to adjust. I mean, I, I don't think that even if the opportunity had, had arisen to uh, to take the uh, the little church here that we would have been like oh let's jump at that opportunity uh, I I think that uh, that this idea of don't despise small beginnings and some of that work that that the Lord still needed to do in our hearts to prepare us uh, ultimately so that he uh, his story could unfold the way he wants it to unfold and rather than our story right yeah. uh, and uh, and so there was a lot of that and really also we had a lot to learn. Uh, about uh, from from people who are who are doing something similar and 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 I mean we're uh, there are giants uh, you know out there right now like the David Platts and the John Pipers that are that are calling students to uh, to this and in, in other movements uh, and uh, and so uh, I don't by any means you know want to compare in fact it's, it, that's the great thing is like Lord whatever influence you give us when you used that word uh, it really it doesn't matter how big that is if it's just the three students that stood up that's already more people going to the nations in our one family yeah. Uh, but uh, but in that it, it's anything that happens from here, uh, you know, he gets the glory for. Yeah. Uh, we don't get to say, look what we built. Yep. It's look what he did. Yeah. Uh, and that is uh, that's phenomenal. And and I think he had to work that in as well as like uh, we realized we had a lot to learn. We still do. We 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 have so much to learn in uh, in this new uh, new calling. Uh, you know, we're not we have not arrived by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, and so in that. Um, you know, there was a lot of studying and a lot of prep and a lot of diving in. I listened to thousands of hours of, you know, of, of, of messages from missionaries, from, uh, from these guys who are, who are doing this, uh, and, uh, and just praying into like, Lord, use us how you will, mm-hmm. uh, and help us to, uh, you know, to, uh, to be a catalyst for more people going to the nations. And so, uh, so yeah, I think in that time, there was a lot of things happening behind the scenes that had we just jumped right into it, we would, we wouldn't have even been ready, uh, for, for that, I don't feel like we're ready now. It's like the only thing that makes us ready is, you know, is that the Lord is so gracious to to bring us the things that we need as we need them. Yep. So, okay. One final question. I want you to finish this sentence for me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He is dot dot dot. He is. Um, I'm gonna say everything, but I'm also gonna. <laughs> I'm I'm going to I'm going to get more specific though because the one thing that I think uh, that he has consistently shown us is he's provider. Uh and so uh and we're seeing that not only in our personal life like he taught us that lesson uh in some really really powerful ways when we were self-employed and especially during uh during some uh, some of the recession times and coming out of that. Yep. Uh and uh, and he showed us very clearly that he is provider but then he he taught us that lesson so well that we've had a chance to really see that. So we walk into a small church here uh, and uh, with no budget to work with, thinking, Lord, how in the world are you going to 
How are we going to do these things that you've put in our heart? How is this vision going to happen? Uh, and I stand a, just a year removed from asking those questions. Uh, and the church is in a healthier financial place than it's ever been. And we've done some incredible things already. Our missions budget is is uh, is phenomenal. Uh, and the Lord has provided miraculously. I love uh, and I love that because this is just a small church of small country folk. And it proves that like God is the provider. It's not us. It's not uh, what we bring to the table. Uh, and, and yes, He uses us for that purpose. The ma- money doesn't just magically appear. <laughs> the resources and people don't just magically appear. Yeah. But uh, but it is incredible to see every time we ask the question, how, he says, I've got this. Yep. I love it. We don't have to make it happen. We just yeah. have to be obedient. Yeah. And that's kind of where we're at with the huge bill that we have for what we want. Yes. You know, it's 17 million and we're like... I have no idea how I can come up right, with that. Right. Yep. But when the property was originally for sale, it was twenty four, and he said you'll pay seventeen. And last February it dropped to seventeen. Wow. You don't. I mean, I couldn't have done that. Right. But, right. So now my question is: is well, you said we'd have it, so why don't I? Yeah. Right. That's now right. my question. Yeah. Not not being arrogant. Sure. I'm just. Yeah. It's a question. Is it is it timing? Right. Are we not engaging with you properly? Sure. Should we be doing something different? Yeah. But I love I love that. I can't, there's no way I could come up with exactly what? nothing. There's a freedom that comes from that too, Jeff, because we get to take that pressure off our shoulders, right? Yeah. It's not up to us to make it happen. It's up to us to be obedient. So when the Lord says do this, we do it and say, "All right, Lord, uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to be the one to provide this. I'll take yep. the step of faith, but you're gonna be the one to to have to uh, to have to provide and bring that provision to the table." Yeah. Uh, and 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 ultimately, this is what I've what I've come to understand, and I learned this early on, and maybe this is part of that that five years of preparation too, but. All along the ways that we, you know, that we've seen God always provide for His for His mission, uh, you know. And if we want to see the provision of God, we want to see God move. Then, then what we need to do is stop building our kingdoms and join Him in His mission. Yep. So rather than say, "Lord, this is what I think it is," you come along and you uh, you join me in my, you know, in my ideas and my vision. We we jump into His and say, "Okay, you've told me to do that. Okay, you provide. Yeah, I'm just going to be obedient. If you say take this step, I'll take it. Yeah. If you say don't take that step, I won't. Yep." And that's how my, I mean, it's a, uh, Brittany and I are going to do this where we talk about how we got involved with the youth with a mission and stuff. And I don't think I've shared the whole story with it, but um, that's how it was when I decided to go. I had no money coming in and he said, go. So it was like the last week I needed to leave. And I was just like, I just need a definitive word from you that Hmm. this is the right thing to do. And I'll take the step. I'd just gotten out of the military. I'd had um, a responsibility of $600 a month for six months that I'd have to pay while I was gone. Right. I had a car that I had to sell. So I needed $3,600 hmm. before I even left to cover that six months and then this vehicle to go. Hmm. And so I wanted this definitive, I didn't have anything. So it was like a Monday and I'd called the school and said, I can't come. So I need to know if I can get any of my deposit and stuff back, blah, 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 blah. Hmm. And they were like, well, let us pray. Call us back in a few hours. So I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the first like 10 minutes of their staff training that I'd called in that morning. <laughs> and so they uh, went away and prayed and came back and the Lord told them all the same thing. Put in, put the money together, everything that you have and get yeah. him, get him here. Wow. And so they were like, so you have a ticket. That's amazing. And I was like, yeah. okay. Yep. So I went away that next day and I prayed and said, Hey, I don't, uh, I need a word from you, Lord. And this is it. And so I got three, specific words, very specific. I wrote them down on an index card and stuck them in my my butt pocket. 
because I was having small group with John and Sonia Decker that night mm. in in Bend. And I was like, I'm going to take these. And if I don't hear someone say these to me, I'll know because right. I just need to know because sure. this is huge. I need all this. And um, so he, so that day I, I'd ask, okay, what about my car? And he goes, I, I went to the phone book back when we had phone books that for those of you that don't know what a phone book was, <laughs> a book with all these phone numbers in them. <laughs> for our younger audience. <laughs> for our younger audience. And half of the pages were white and the other half were yellow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, millennials, that's yes, for you. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So I went to the yellow section and looked up car dealerships. And the only one that stood out was thrifty car sales. So I drove down there. They looked at my car and said, nope, we can't do anything. Drove back home. A friend of mine calls me on the phone and says, hey. I know a guy who's a manager at a car lot here in town. They want to see you. And you take the car down there, they're going to see if they can work with you. And I go, okay, great. Where is it? Through to car sales. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I drove back down there again. The sales guy I worked with saw me walk in and he was kind of like, what is this guy doing here? Right? Look on his face. Went to the sales manager. He went and looked at everything. He goes, yo, too much on it. We can't help you. Hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. Went back home. My buddy Jesse calls me on the phone a few hours later, right before small group starts, mm. says, hey, I got a kid that's in my small group. You know, his dad owns a car lot here in town. He heard what you're doing, and he's going to take care of you. You got to go down and meet him. I go, great. Let me guess. Thrifty car sales. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, yeah. yeah, how'd you know? How'd you know that? <laughs> so I drove down. Yeah. The sales manager's there. The salesperson's there. They see me pull up, and I'm like, hey, is the owner of so-and-so here? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, great. Thank you. And I laughed, right? I'm just kind of like, Ugh. so I end up going to small group and we do the small group thing. And then right at the end, they're like, hey, Jeff has to go on this trip. Let's pray over him. And, da, da, da. and the whole time I'm just waiting, just waiting. I have three specific things in my back pocket and everyone's praying and praying. And finally, right before the end, mm -hmm. a guy stands up, John Collins comes up and puts his hand on me and goes, this is very urgent. I felt like the Lord had said to tell you this right now. Matthew 7, 7 through 11 for your boy. Hmm. I was like, oh, that's wow. it. That's all I needed. That yep. was it. That is what I had written in my back pocket. Yeah. And from that moment, everything else fell into place. The wow. next morning I woke up and the owner of the car lot called. And I went yeah. on my trip. And um, the school, I think at that time was nine grand. Hmm. And I had nothing. I just went. And I still needed all that other stuff. I dropped my car off before I left. Um, and um, it was uh, my bill that I had to pay was the first of every month, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, so how are we going to do How are we gonna do this? Because none of the people that are supposed to be my supporters are mm. writing me back. Right, you know, right. Because that's awesome. Um, and he goes, well, I'm going to tell you who's going to come, who's going to do it. And they're going to come to you. You're not allowed to go to them. Yeah. And it'll be always the day before, a few days before the first. Wow. And I was like, I don't know if you know this one, Lord, hmm. but one of those firsts of the month happens to fall in the middle of our faith week while we're not on campus with everybody else. And he's like, yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> and the first of the month, yep, every time, even on outreach, someone would come up wow. right before and say, hey, the Lord told me this morning, I have to give this to you. Wow, that's fantastic. And that's my amazing. school was the first paid yeah. for in yeah. full. And wow. I agree. So he's a provider. If you he, just he say, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> it's such an important lesson to learn because, uh, it, you know, this this really goes into everything that uh, – because you and I, we don't have the power to do any of those things. We don't have the power to do any of the things that, that, that God uh, empowers us to do through the Holy Spirit. Even that is still ultimately Him. Yep. So all we are – uh, are is, are obedient vessels, and so when he says "do," uh, man, that just takes the pressure off. Because most of the time, I think the reason we don't is we're just worried. Like, well, what if God doesn't show up? Well, you couldn't do it anyway. Yeah, you you didn't have the ability to do those things yep. anyway. Yep. And so it was never on you to begin with in yep. terms of uh, of being able to accomplish it. Yeah. And so taking those steps is always proof faithful. I got I got I almost forgot this one part of the story <laughs> because our mutual friend Brigham plays into this one. Yeah. So. Uh, so I got to tell you what happened. And, you know, so I told you we prayed and we felt very specifically the Lord speak this word influence. And and I was very, like I said, very hesitant to share that. I never wanted that to sound like somehow we brought anything to the table or or such an, um, you know, a word I never want anybody to take that from a, uh, a a position of saying, well, that's pretty presumptuous or arrogant, you know. And and so, uh, and you know, because we knew we were nothing. We knew, we're, you know, we, we're bringing nothing to the table here. And uh, so when when the Lord told us uh, that it was going to be the assemblies of God, and that that curveball came, I called up my buddy Brigham and said, "Hey, can we meet?" You know, and so uh, and so he came over here and uh, we had lunch together. And I said, "Hey, while we're doing this, um, it, you know, we we've already you know left our position at at, at Calvary Chapel, and and, and I don't want to be there because I don't want that to be confusing to people that we've already left in a sense, and we've stepped out of pastoral ministry, but we're still here, and especially with this new you know. Uh, you know, transitional element and component to this. And I said, I'd really love to to land at your guys' church for a few months uh, while we walk through this. So we hadn't gotten our licensing yet. We had just basically were freshly in this process of, of pursuing that licensing and credentialing with the assemblies. And so, uh, so Brigham was, of course, we'd love to have you. I mean, he's like, in fact, do you want to come on, be one of my staff pastors? Says, Let's just start with being there and I'll help you in whatever role you need. Uh, and, uh, and so, um, he said, well, uh, that's great. We want you guys to come on. And so he had us come on in kind of a, in kind of a role to share about missions and other things and, and, uh, to, to just spend time there, uh, with them. And it was such a wonderful time as we walked through this new process, but he, uh, and this wouldn't have, the reason why I bring this up is it, it may be a small part of the story, but it's, it's kind of neat. It's kind of significant uh, and relates to some of those things I shared with you earlier. So he said, hey, there's this, uh, the Oregon Ministry Network does two conferences a year. Summit Conference is kind of our main uh, leadership and business conference that the, that the, that the group does. And then we, um, uh, we have a, re- a retreat also uh, halfway through the year called Intermission. And it was going to be held here. In fact, it usually is kind of on this side of the state where that one's on the western side of the state. So this one was over here at Eagle Crest and, uh, and, uh, uh, and uh, he said, "Do you guys want to go?" Yeah, he's all, "You're you're part of our church. You're you're part of our team. So you know, come <laughs> with us and and be a part of this." And we weren't licensed yet. This was a you know an event for you know primarily for pastors uh, of the uh, Oregon Ministry Network. And and uh, I thought, well, yeah, we'll go. That'd be fun. If nothing else, we know you guys, so that'll be fun. Uh, and so we spent time with them and and sat there and. Uh, and the most amazing thing happened as we were there. Um, first of all, the speaker uh, spoke about Elijah, and he talked about very specifically going back the way you came and picking up things that you had laid down and stuff. Whoa. And I just looked at each other and we're like, "Could this be any more confirmation?" Like, like shut not, up. <laughs> you know, like we already knew we were committed to it, but we just left there going, "Oh my goodness!" Like there could not be any more. Like if there was any doubt. 
that this was um, that God began to really solidify in our hearts. And near, and uh, and we came to the close of the conference that night, and uh, we were sitting around with Brigham and and uh, one of the lead pastors of the Oregon Ministry Network comes over. And, his name was uh, is Bill Wilson, and he and my mom went to college together. And I don't know Bill, but he he knows he's a very personal guy, wonderful guy. Couldn't couldn't ask for a, a better lead pastor, and just in terms of the encouragement, everything that he does for this network, wonderful, wonderful guy. And uh, he came by, and and we started talking. And I just mentioned to him, I said, "Hey, uh, Pastor Bill, I, I I think you might you don't know me, but I think you know my mom, Beth Maves. You guys went to went to her name was Beth Johnson at the time, and you guys went to went to school together." Beth was like, "Yeah, I know your mom." And then he proceeds to sit down, and <laughs> and he takes his hand, he puts it on my arm, and it, and and he just starts talking, and and the whole time he's and and he starts saying, "I know your family, I know this and that." He, he looked at me, he's all. We're pretty much family already, aren't we? And <laughs> and that was such a neat thing to have him do that. And so uh, after that, the other uh, network lead pastors, um, very, so another one, Boyd Powers, who kind of oversees missions, and I already mentioned Lee McLeod. Uh, through the course of the evening, both of those guys came up and and uh, and introduced themselves to me, and and and, and we just felt like, wow. Did that just happen? Like, Lord, the, the, we're, we're, you know, we don't even know anybody here hardly. Uh, and, uh, and we just met the three, you know, network pastors. Uh, and we're only here because of Brigham. You yeah. know, we're only here because of this. Try and make those and, connections. Yeah, I dare well, you. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then after that, we were getting ready to leave and go, go back to our hotel room. And, uh, and Stephanie goes over cause she left her coat over at the table where we were sitting and, uh, and, uh, and, and she's walking up on the conversation and she hears somebody say, you're never going to guess who's here. And she was like, Oh, who's here? You know, so she's like listening. And, uh, and it's, uh, I, I believe it was Bill Wilson was talking with one, another one of the pastors here, uh, who I've gotten to know just a wonderful guy. Uh, but, um, uh, said, uh, yeah, you're not going to believe it. So she's leaning in to listen. Who is it? He's all, Bernard Johnson's grandson is here. And she's all, huh? And, <laughs> and the guy was like, <laughs> so the other guy that was that was there that he was talking to, the other pastor, uh, wonderful guy, and, and uh, he says, he is? Where is he at? And Stephanie's literally right there standing next to him, <laughs> getting her coat, and she's all, he's right over there. <laughs> so, so he came over to talk to us, and we began to, to talk. And, and as we were talking, he said, you know what? Such an amazing thing. I love, he's like, I love the Calvary Chapel movement. And uh, he said, you know, I, I love that uh, what they're doing is such a wonderful thing. He's all, but I'm so glad that you guys are here uh, and that this is the path you're pursuing. He goes, we need... Uh, young people uh, like you guys, and we're not we're not young, but you know it, it felt nice to hear somebody say that. We are. Right? We're young. You know, Come on, brother. We're still in our prime, right? Okay. <laughs> and so uh, he said, but we need people like you uh, in our in our uh, in our network. And he said, I really think that you guys will have an influence here. And and as soon as we heard that word, like he had no idea, but Stephanie and I just looked at each other because that was we hadn't shared that with anybody. I didn't even share that with him. Uh, and so as he's speaking about that and. Um, and I went later and had lunch with him uh, uh, several months ago, and I finally shared with him. I said, "You said something that night that that was so impactful to us, and you didn't even know what it was." And I didn't share it with you because I never have wanted this to be again a thing. But it, yeah. I just wanted you to know because it was very meaningful to Stephanie and I. And I just shared with him that when he said that, we you know we knew like uh, like everything else that had happened that this was confirmation of we were walking exactly and doing exactly what God had called us to do. Awesome. And um and the, and boy, how can you not be excited because 
going into pastoral ministry in a small community, a small church is not glamorous work. It's hard work, <laughs> right? And and so, but but that has been fuel uh, for everything that we. There's nothing like fu- there's no other fuel, I should say, uh, that's there. You know, but the Holy Spirit inside us, and and knowing that you're exactly where God wants you to be. If if you have those two things, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what comes. And 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 in reality, we need those things because life and ministry are hard. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and but I've never regretted a second of it, and I have nothing but excitement and expectation and hope uh, for what God's going to do in the next few years. So, yeah, That's very awesome. excited. Very excited. Well, again, thank you so much for coming today. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a pleasure. So, I love it. I love hearing it. It's yeah. so it's so much fun. Well, it's fun to hear your story too. I to hear about you know YWAM and what what an incredible thing. But isn't that? I mean, I, I hear this thing we say like, but uh, but I'm not surprised anymore because that's what God does. I've watched Him do it in my life. I've seen yep. do it in your life. I mean, I've I've watched Him do it in countless lives. And and so uh, when uh, when people say, well, that's just coincidence. I said, well, you know, it's very interesting that go ahead and think that if you will. But it just so happens coincidences seem to happen every time we pray. Yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> God does amazing things. So if you want to think of it as coincidence, go ahead. Uh, I know better because I've seen him do the impossible over and over yep. and over again. Uh, and we're just an example of that. I really do believe we're, we're here only by the grace of God, uh, that we're 100%. in this role only by the grace of God. Yep. And uh, and uh, and so I, I'm grateful for every opportunity uh, that God has. It's way better. I tell I tell my students uh, on a regular basis because we, we're helping uh, fill in a role just this year at the High Desert Christian Academy, which has a campus right here on our, uh, on our church uh, property here. And a Christian school here in the community, and we're we're uh, we're helping teach some of the high school classes. And I tell my students, I said, you guys probably don't understand this right now, but you 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 couldn't trade anything. Like I hear them talking about cars and how they want to be like, uh, you know, Elon Musk or some of these other guys that made all this money and all this stuff. And I said, you guys won't understand this now, but man, there isn't a thing that you could give. Uh, me that I would ever trade uh, for what God has done in our life and, and and the expectations that we have for what He's going to do, uh, because this life is no longer about us. It's about yep. Him. It's about His kingdom. Once you catch that vision, uh, there is uh, there is nothing else that you want to do with your life. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's been yeah. amazing. It's been an amazing journey. You know? Yeah, and I love that because oh, I think my headphone. There we go. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love that you say that because. You know, I had right when I got saved, I started doing some professional modeling. I'd started doing acting in film. And um, I remember sitting in church and I was just like, man, I could never do missions or anything like that. And then like six months later, I'm in New Zealand. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, my words specifically were like, man, I don't see how missionaries could do that stuff, dude. Living in like a grass hut, that's stupid. I'm like, I'm all <laughs> yeah. about going to Christian conferences with the Ritz Carlton. Like, come on, yeah. And uh, and so from that, and then we've been really, really poor, mm. our family here. Um, and now we're in this place where we have tons of stuff. We've been so blessed during this really difficult time. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, none of it matters. Right. Right. None of it. And I, it's just a real interesting uh, place to be when you understand what Paul says when he's just talking about whether in abundance or lack, I'm satisfied. Right. You know, and it's tough to get to that place. But yeah, I could give a rip about an Elon Musk car. <laughs> if I'm yeah, just like, yeah. and there's someone's just yeah. like, you'll be dirt poor with Jesus. Or you can have an Elon Musk car with me. I'd be like, dirt poor sounds dope. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, and I mean, they just idolize this. I mean, and, and I mean, and, and think about it. I mean, I was a kid, and I and before Christ really got a hold of my heart, like who wouldn't want the you know the the you know the billions of dollars that that guy has? I mean, you know, predicting that he could be the world's first trillionaire and all these kinds of crazy things. And but those are the things that, that you know we get going back to what we first started with, like. Those are the things that are capturing the hearts of our students, yeah. and and uh, and God, I, I believe, has given us a vision to call students, uh, in particular. Like we 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 focus a lot of our, our of our ministry efforts right now on students and uh, and uh, and young people because they they really are the next. Uh, you know, as we think about the Great Commission being fulfilled, like what we talked about when yeah. we went through Genesis to Revelation there together, uh, was that's that's going to be that generation, and the, and if the Lord tarries the one after that that are doing that work, most people might. Age, some of them, yes, will you know, will answer the call and go somewhere that they've never been before. Uh, but the, but they're so invested in their lives and, yep. and the, everything else that's already going on uh, that it really is this younger group that if we capture their hearts and they have such a heart for justice too. And and so what greater, uh, you know, that's the language of our culture. Even though our culture gets justice wrong, but what greater injustice is there than for you and I to have access to the gospel? And we've had access to the gospel for hundreds of years here, while there are people all the way around the world that that. Will never even hear the name of Jesus, and they will die without hearing yeah. the name of Jesus. And that resonates with uh, with a with a new generation that that keeps hearing this message of justice, even if it's misplaced justice. But if you can capture their heart yep. to get that understanding, it will be a prolific prolific missions movement. And and the other thing we have to remember is we're not in this alone. So often we think of this from a Western perspective, but yeah. one of the greatest things we're getting to see already through this obedience is is uh, is is that the Lord has opened up doors for us to be doing ministry in Somalia right now, vicariously through a pastor wow. that we support from an unreached people group, no less in Kenya, that now goes into Somalia. And he's there right now, as you and I are having this podcast, uh, taking 50 audio Bibles and our church is supporting him and doing that. And again, Again, um, all through these, you know, God uses the the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, yeah. and and all through these little tiny missions contacts that we have right here in Central Oregon, and and a woman who's in our church body who uh, is a is a missionary over in in uh, in the in Uganda, yeah, and we are on her missions board. And through just a miraculous set of circumstances, very similar to our own in terms of some of the story and how God has woven these things together, we now have this connection to help this pastor uh, from this unreached people group and tribe in Kenya go to Somalia. And people in Somalia, the third most persecuted nation, hardest, Jeez. one of the hardest places in the world. You and I couldn't get off the plane there. Yeah. Uh, you and I could not ever think of doing ministry work there in the same kind of context. And he's been invited there to go, and he brings these audio Bibles, and people are hearing the gospel. And two of them from his last trip in November. Uh, accepted uh, Jesus as Lord and Savior, and there's the beginning of a church being built in some of those toughest areas of the world. And that's the other thing, too, is to realize that we're not in this alone. This is a global effort, uh, and that's something the Lord spoke to me, and I don't know what that's going to look like in the next you know, 20, 30 years, yeah. but I believe part of our uh, awakening and commissioning to the church here is not for just for people to go, uh, but for people to, to partner and to send and to be a part of this global church uh, effort that is that is going to the, to the hardest places on earth because that's all that's left. The yep. hardest places, that's why they remain unreached and unengaged. It's because they're hard to reach. It's they're the impossible places where only God can, you know, can get exactly. the glory from the work that goes. But it's going to be a global effort. But every local church is called to it. And so we want to bring that you know awareness obviously to uh to right here where God has placed us. But I I have a strong belief uh that ultimately eventually you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of of of, of global, you know, thinking missions-minded churches will eventually uh, go out from here, and missionaries sent 
because uh, that is the heart of God. The heart of God is that every person, Second Peter tells us it's not his will that any would yep. perish, but all would come to repentance. And while we know that it's, it's his desire that none would perish, people perish all the time. Yeah. But that's not, his heart is that people would come to repentance. And so if we really believe that the scripture is that story from Genesis to Revelation of all tribes, tongues, languages, nations, standing around the throne in Revelation, worshiping the king, then, and, and if Jesus says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yep. So we just want to get on board with that. Like it's less about what we want to do in our kingdoms. It's like, hey, he's already said it's going to happen, and if we align ourselves with that, yep. the provision comes for the things that he calls. And it's so do. much fun. It's amazing. It's so much. What else fun. would you want to do, right? <laughs> it's I mean, so once, much fun. once he once he awakens, he's like. <laughs> What else would I do? Yeah, everything else is, yeah. it's seriously so <laughs> yeah. boring. Yeah, it's like Peter, you know, and, and you know, and, the, and Jesus teaches this hard teaching because this isn't easy stuff. Like this is, this is like die to yourself and follow Jesus. It's tough. But, you know, Peter and, uh, you know, and the disciples are there and Jesus gives us hard teaching and, it, and we see in scripture, like all these people walk away and he looks at the 12 and he's like, do you want to leave too? And Peter says, where, where else are we, we going to go? go? <laughs> you have the words, you alone have the words of eternal life. Well, you know, we're, we're in this thing, you know, for, for, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, you know, like this is it. This, where else is life found? Yep. And so, uh, and so it's, I, I feel it's the same thing. Once the Lord opens up your eyes to see this in your heart, to understand it. And that's what I pray for this generation is that's exactly what's going to happen. And people that, that are feeling purposes, here's the, here's the thing. Christianity is not boring. If you are living a boring Christianity right now, then you are not following Jesus the way exactly. that he wants you to follow him. Because once you catch this, life will never be boring again. It will change everything. And, and that doesn't mean that you're going to, you know, go overseas necessarily. It means that y- your entire uh, trajectory of of your life will be will we be lived being a part of and fulfilling this yeah. purpose and and in that Christianity is never boring yeah never I um I'll end with this I I I saw this quote I, as you can see I have all these tall pirate ships everywhere I, I, even though pirates are horrible um I just I love pirates anyway <laughs> <laughs> but Henry Avery one of them said I'm a man of fortune and I must seek my fortune hmm. and I was sitting there thinking about that yesterday <clears throat> I'm like. I am a man of fortune and I will seek my fortune. But that definition of fortune is Jesus. Mm. And that is, I'm a man of I'm a man of Jesus and I'm just going to seek it until yeah. I get as much of it as I can have. Right. And I just, so that's my, it's our motto. Well, I tried to convince Brittany yeah. that we needed to put that up. And she was just <laughs> this like. This is our motto, Brittany. Yeah, this is our motto. <laughs> I'm a man of fortune. I'm going to seek my fortune from a pirate. And she's like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's anyway. awesome. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. I really appreciate you coming down. And this has been one of the most fun podcasts I've done. Oh, that's awesome, Jeff. Yeah, me, t- me too. I, I, like I said, this is uh, uh, not something I regularly do, but I uh, I thought, what fun would it be to sit down with Jeff and just go through this? And uh, I mean, we love sharing the story of Jesus, right? Because it's his story. It's not yeah. our story. We bring nothing to the table. It's it's just so neat to see these things and and and, uh, and to share that and hopefully uh, you know others will uh, will will catch that vision and and uh, will follow Jesus and say Lord what would you what what do you want it's not is this your will it's like Lord where do you want me to, what role yep. do you want me to have in this yep, thing right? exactly yep that's it like you said who's your target audience and I said I'll simplify it just like Jesus did everyone yeah awesome <laughs> awesome well thank you so much brother I appreciate you yeah thanks so much Jeff appreciate it. <laughs>